show starts in 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Electricity here in Columbia. What has been buzzing loudly all weekend. Passion of the crowd in Rivers Bryce Stadium is second to none. And the raid breaks out in Columbia. It is good! Gamecock fans, welcome home. See how it goes. Uh, but we'll be ready to go. It's time to root. Let's go, Carolina! It's gone! Touchdown! What a hit! He makes it in! You believe the Cops have won this game. Here are your hosts, J.C. Sherbert, Bill Molinax, my wife doesn't like hanging around losers, and Jamie Bradford. I'm going to tell you, you look like you joined Doug Dynasty. All right, greetings and good morning. Welcome aboard and welcome home inside the Gamecocks, the show live from the Signorama Studios, the preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics and built by the Barndo Co., the barndominiumco.com, where you can build that dream home that you have been long, long yearning for for as low as $160 per square foot if you're in the Carolinas, Georgia, or in Tennessee. Welcome aboard. JC is going to be joining us here shortly. He is in Columbia, and as you can see, he's there uh, just getting some things organized before he pops in with Phil and myself. We'll take you until one o'clock today, right here on Inside the Gamecocks, the show, part of the all new Chief Sports Network. If you've not downloaded our app, you need to do it. Go into your phone, it is free and it is easy. And you can take us anywhere in the world. Make sure you tell your friends as well, the Chief Sports app. Uh, and that houses us and JC and Morgan and soon to be much more than that. Also housing, we will be housing, I should say, in our program today, both Hale McGranahan and Mike Morgan for Power Hour presented by Palmetto Medicare coming up at noon. Hale will join us at 1130 and give us a full practice report as South Carolina continues to tick down the moments until we get to kickoff in Charlotte Saturday, September the 2nd at 7.30. Looking for, greatly forward to seeing a lot of you as well between the hours of 2.30 and 6.30 at the pregame. Uh, Big Spur, the show, slash Carolina Rise party outside of Bank of America Stadium, and we are really, really, really excited about that. Phil, good to... Good to be here today and also good to celebrate the great Alshon Jeffrey. When we got off the air yesterday, Steve Fink sent the email saying he will have his jersey retired at halftime of the Mississippi State game in williams Bryce. Honestly, uh, so well deserved and earned. And we'll ask the question, who will be next? Because it wasn't long ago that Coach Tanner kind of got a little group of guys and gals together and said, hey, we need to do a better job around here of acknowledging our former athletes. That was something that was at the top of his docket. They had begun to do that. Jadeveon Clownies, of course, was last year, and now 
followed by Alshon coming up here in a little bit over a month. Going to be a going to be a brilliant night at Williams Price. Oh, for sure, yeah, and like you said, well deserved for Alshon. Uh, I mean, incredible player for this team. Uh, his contributions, you know, and then even beyond NFL. I mean, Super Bowl winner with Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, yeah, just good to good to commemorate him in such a permanent way. Yeah, it really is. I mean, I I, I think that I, I'm not exactly sure. I mean, I've seen the criteria. I can't remember it all offhand. They sent that. I don't know when that was two, three, four years ago, somewhere in there um, that they will kind of go through to decide who's because remember, they're not retiring numbers. They're retiring jerseys. There's a there's a big difference there. Uh, and and if you start retiring numbers, you're going to run out of numbers at some point. So they're, they're not going to do that. But um, but they are retiring jerseys. And there's I mean, you think there's been a lot of great ones, but, you know, it, it has to be more. I think than just, or it is more than just uh, what they did in a South Carolina uniform. You know, when you think about football, Phil, I mean, that era is where that era turned out. Like, we will tell these stories to our grandchildren that we got to see those guys play. Uh, Jadeveon and Connor and Marcus and Alshon and Stefan and, you know, the DJ Swearinger, the list goes on and on. But the, the criteria to have your jersey renum, uh, num, jersey retired is more than just being a great football player at South Carolina. What did you do after that? And and what type of human are you? The whole nine. There's a lot of stuff that really goes into it. But it's interesting to think about uh, about who that next one could be. I th- I think somebody's already said Connor and Howard said Sydney uh, Rice should be next. Yeah, I, I could make a heck of an argument for a guy named Marcus Lattimore and Stefan Gilmore. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's, yeah, it's, uh, you could, there, there's, well, they're going to run out of room, JB. <laughs> yeah. At some point in time, they're going to have to make the press box bigger. Right. Uh, so, but I mean, w- w- what you have to be careful when you have the conversation is not just who is your favorite player. It's not, it's not about just who is your favorite player. Right or who did you think was the best player? Like, who was it? Period. And um, you know those those the four that I think just got mentioned are the first four that are pretty much probably always going to come up at least uh, at this point in time. Yeah. I wonder are, is the plan only to do one a year? Do we know? I don't think that there is a plan to do any number in any years. I think it's just when they feel like the time is right um, that they will. You know they'll 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 do it. So I'm not sure. Um, Alshon uh, is you know retired, and so that I wonder if that. Well, no, that's not true because Clowney's not retired, and his his jersey's up there. So that doesn't have anything to do with it. Um, I, I I'll be honest. I I think that the next one that will need to be acknowledged. It won't have anything to do with a jersey. It, it's it's Steve Spurrier, and you know yeah. they tried to do this years ago, and Coach Spurrier uh, he declined. He he said, you know, I I I think that there. This is just my personal thought on it. I think that Steve felt uh, feel like he knew 
it that was way too soon the way that it ended and um you know leaving in the middle of the season like like he did in in 2015 and there were there were still some fans who were a little or pretty frustrated by that and i i think that he he didn't really want anything to do with that because he felt like he hadn't earned it and um but as time goes on you know the dust settles that's over you know that and it, it, I, he would be at the tip top of my list because none of the, none of that Jadeveon Clowney, Alshon Jeffrey, any of the other players we're talking about. I'm quite confident that most of them are not at South Carolina, if not all, if he's not here. And what happened during their tenures do not happen if Steve Spurrier isn't here. No, I mean he was the the straw that stirs that drink, right? So. I don't know. I put it at a couple more years, though. 2025. 10 years removed, you know, that way. Getting old, I think the old ball coach will still be kicking around. (laughs) I think at that point he'll be right to to come on home. Yeah, and I agree with that. You know, it's it's amazing because he – Coach Spurrier is still such a fan of South Carolina football. Um, And, you know, he can't openly just come out and tell you he's pulling for the Gamecocks, but he does until they're playing Florida. Then he pulls for the Gators. And you know, it's just like he pulls for Duke. And, um, yeah, so I, I just – he's he's the one. Now, what 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 is that? You know, is it the Steve Spurrier sideline? Is it Steve Spurrier field? I don't know. You know, I, I don't know what they'll do. Is it just, just acknowledging him somehow in the ballpark somewhere? I don't know. I don't know what it would be. I like the field naming. I would be okay with that. Yeah, I mean th- the one Spurrier thing field at Williams Price Stadium. I think you know, hey, yeah, why not? Yeah, I mean, it, it, you don't have the greatest era in the game without the man. You know, and absolutely, so got to do something. <laughs> I 100 percent agree with that. You know, I, I know that there's there are still folks out there that hold animosity towards Steve, and they hold it to- towards Coach Holt. Pretty much every coach that ever leaves, and we know how many people can't stand Will Muschamp. We know how many people can't stand Brad Scott. Um, of that entire group, there's only one that I really, uh, and I, from what I understand, he's actually a really good guy, but coach Scott, the, when he left and then going up to Clemson and them, him letting them carry, carry him off their shoulders and, you know, and this debacle of Williams Bryce, and that was just rubbing it in the face. And, and he was doing a lot of dirty stuff behind the scenes, you know, Muschamp's done none of that. Um, not, not saying I'm not like in big time supportive. I'm just saying of all the coaches who have been here and have left and you get the fan reaction and generally it's negative, you know, there's really one of that group that deserved it. And that's, that's coach Scott and what he did. But like Steve isn't here if it's not for coach Holtz. I mean, this, this program was the laughing stock of college football. And for whatever reason, Blue Holtz thought, well, you know what? I was there for a, a year or whatever it was, a year or two in the 70s. Or, I think I could probably get back there and help him get going. And he shows up, and, and you know, the, that first year is total rebuild mode, and then he turns it into pretty much the two best back-to-back years you've ever seen. And then it didn't end well for him either, but, coach, but he had left it on solid enough ground where Steve Spurrier thought, you know what? South Carolina looks like a good place for me. So, yeah. like – you know, I, I'm so thankful both those guys ended up being head coaches at South Carolina, even though it didn't end the way that everybody wants it to, to end, but it rarely does. 
And so at some point in time, yeah, somebody will will force Coach Spurrier to get in the car and drive up and be acknowledged in front of 75,000-plus fans at Williams-Brice Stadium. J.C. is back for the first time in forever, and we're glad to have him. He's uh, in Columbia, and uh, J.C., we are just kind of recapping the fact that Alshon Jeffries' jersey will be retired, kind of speculating on who might be next somewhere down the road, but I mentioned to Phil, above all else, at some point in time, it's it's going to be time to make sure that Steve Spurrier is acknowledged every time you walk into Williams-Brice Stadium. What's up, man? Yeah, uh, yeah, well, I agree with you there, Jamie, completely. Um, sorry it took so long. I, I, uh, I actually got here, got all set up. Um, I need to lose some weight and get in better shape. So, Because it's 158 way, degrees down here? With the way this apartment is, uh, is kind of uh, structured, I'm going to have to stand and do the shows. All right. So I'm, I'm, I'm well, going to work, work off some calories here, folks, while I'm uh, talking to you guys and uh, all that good stuff. Um the, the train, uh, if those of you are familiar with Five Points, the train just came by. So there'll, there'll, there'll be some uh, very Columbia-esque things as we go through this journey here at Studio South. But, uh, look, I, I think this, guys, I, I think that when you talk about – we always talk about what the athletic department does wrong uh, a lot. And, and I think this is one of the things they do right. Uh, that Spurrier era with all those great players, a lot of them were from South Carolina – you know, all those guys, uh, you know, are, are among the all-time best players to ever play here. They not only did it in college, they did it in the pro level. You can say what you want about Clowney maybe not playing like a first-round draft pick, but I think there's reasons for that, including, you know, a sort of undisclosed leg injury heading into the draft and uh, also the fact that Houston, Texas didn't know how to play him. <laughs> uh, I had a lot to as much to do with it as anything, but uh, you know Alshon Jeffrey, Super Bowl champ, you know, great player for the Bears and the Eagles. You know, uh, I think look back to the history of this program, with the exception of baseball, it, it's gone through constant churn, reinventing of the will, crapping on the past, whatever. Uh, it took how many years for Dave Odom finally to get the guys from the McGuire era in men's basketball back together and honor them. You know, sure, they retired Roach's jersey or whatever. This seems to be a very focused uh, effort. It can go on about 10 years since that, that era ended uh, to get all this guy honored. And I think it's great. I think it's great for any program to do. I think it's important because, you know, you talk about tradition or lack thereof. Uh, tradition sells in recruiting. Tradition is what you build upon when you're building a program. And, and those players are all part of that tradition. And uh, Al Sean, man, he could have gone, obviously, to the bright lights of big city of Hollywood. Uh, he was actually committed to SC for a while. All the Trojans were rolling with guys like Mike Williams, who was kind of a, his type of receiver. Uh, and he elected to stay home and play for yeah. the Gamecocks and was a huge part of a lot of really good teams and, and, and a, a tireless worker. Uh, I, I still couldn't – I picture him in my mind now running routes – uh, after practice, because I was here covering the team at the time, and, and at every practice, he would stay after and, and work on that. So, uh, so happy for him uh, as an individual uh, and a person, and uh, proud of the University of South Carolina for recognizing one of their own. Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, he de- he deserves it, and um, I, I I personally think not to not to move on from Alshon. This is his moment, and, and 
and can't wait to celebrate it here in just a few weeks at Williams Bryce Stadium. But for the sake of having something to discuss while we're on the air, when you think forward about who might be next, who are they? Who are they going to throw around up there inside of the um, inside of the uh, the uh, building at, at, at South Carolina inside of the Rice Athletics building? You know, it, it's hard for me to 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 look past. Right now, I think Stefan would be at the top of the list because of what he's achieved in the NFL, the awards that he's won, uh, what he achieved while he was at the University of South Carolina. I mean, when you look at the comparables, I mean, just they're kind of they're kind of laying the red carpet right now for what it looks like. Look at Jadevion, look at Alshon. They achieved it in college. They achieved it for an extended period of time at the pro level. Who else has done that? It's Stefan Gilmore. I kind of almost feel like he's teed up to be the next guy. He may very well be based on those criteria. I would go with Marcus Lattimore, though. Um, and, and I'll tell you why. Marcus Lattimore made more of a direct impact on the program than any of those guys. Mm. Uh, Marcus Lattimore also ended, sadly, his football career on this football field at williams Bryce Stadium. Yeah, uh, South Carolina retired the number and jersey of a player in the 50s that died named Steve Wadiak. Yep. Marcus didn't die, obviously. But you talk about somebody that, that kind of gave it his all and, and had such a big impact on the program. I don't know if Marcus wants that, to be honest. Yeah, I don't uh, either. So that may be an issue behind the scenes or whatever. But I think he, I think him, Connor Shaw, Stephon Gilmore, Melvin Ingram, those would be my next four. But I, I tend to agree with you, man. <laughs> Gilmore, he's another one of those guys. Could have gone anywhere, stayed at home. Carolina beat Alabama on him. Um, and that, that kind of seems to be a trend as well. Like, you know, the guys, because mm-hmm. Clowney, you know, obviously they beat Bama on him head to head, number one player in the country. Uh, beat Bama on Gilmore, beat uh, SC and Lane Kiffin at Tennessee on, uh, on Jeffrey. So, yeah, maybe that's, that's what it is. I mean, of course, Marcus could have gone to Auburn or Penn State and, and all that too. But uh, I, I, I think that's very helpful two to the current regime uh and, and they don't need any help recruiting in state right now in the state right now i mean they're right. kind of mopping up but you know you show that to people uh, you know when when you get a guy that comes along that maybe you know uh it's a little tougher to keep him in because he's got georgia and he's got bama and he's got ohio state you know and these guys, of course cam pringle had all those but they look at that and they go hey i could I love this place. I can stay right here and, and achieve my dreams. And one day my name will be up there on the stadium. And I'd like to see them eventually, guys, have a big ring of honor all the way around yeah, the I stadium. Did. Uh, yeah, it, yeah, it, it used you. to be Carolina probably didn't have uh, enough players to do that, right? You know, enough like legit All-Americans, All-Pro guys. But the Spur, the Holtz and Spur era both kind of changed that. So I think that's uh, – it's tremendous. And, uh, you know, like I said, many, many times we talk about what the eighth athletic department isn't doing right. Uh, this is one thing that they definitely are. And I'm, as, as someone that, you know, follows this stuff, been, involved, been following this program since 1986, it makes me very, very happy that uh, these guys are getting recognized. As soon as really, you know, it, it's, it's sort of kosher to do. You know, 10 years, you know, most of their NFL careers are, are at the, the back end. You know, I think that's uh, that's great. Yeah, I, I remember a few years ago when um, when Coach Tanner uh, spoke about this, and, and um, I guess it's probably been more than that. It was probably back in 
2016 or 17, JC, somewhere in there, because this this was a point of emphasis that he had kind of brought to the table and saying, hey, look, we need to do a little bit better job around here acknowledging the great athletes. And I think that was kind of on the heels of, you know, that whole push to put his number up on the wall at Founders Park, uh, which at the time I think was still Carolina Stadium. And if you remember, Coach Tanner was kind of shaking his head like, I won because of my players. And I get it. Y'all can all thank me all you want to and give me all this, whatever. But I won because of my players. I didn't play the games. Uh, my players did. And so we kind of got it spinning to where we need to do a better job collectively, you know, amongst the university. And, of course, this year on the baseball side, Kip Baltnight has had his jersey retired. As a matter of fact, Alshon, when it does get retired, it'll be the 10th jersey retirement for South Carolina since 2018 and the 23rd overall. So almost half of them all time have happened in the last five years. You're talking about Earl Bass and Kip Bolt Knight in baseball, Trinity Johnson and Joyce Compton in softball, uh, Mickey Barber and, and now, of course, Don Ellerby, who we had on, on our program not long ago from women's track and field, Terrence Trammell from men's track and field, uh, Olympian and Hall of Famer. I uh, remember Clint Mathis, who played soccer for the Gamecocks. They've all had their jerseys retired. And now you've got to go along with Genevion last year, uh, Alshon this year on the football side. So it has been a kind of a university-wide uh, push. It's not just about football, which is great, and it shouldn't be. It should be about every sport. Um, but clearly with football, that's going to be the one that gets the most recognition because there's 75,000 people that will sit in there and watch that ceremony when it happens at halftime next month. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of men's basketball guys. I mean, shoot, I go back to like the 80s and Barry Manning, JoJo English, Joe Rett in that era, and then through the Fogler era, obviously Mackie Watson, you know, maybe Larry Davis, if he was here long enough, Carlos Powell through the Odom era. Um Devon, Devin Downey from the, the Odom and Devin Horn Downey. era. Devin Downey. Hey, Devin Downey, man. Devin Downey, pound for pound, was probably the best player to play men's basketball in South Carolina. He was – she's sick. ridiculous. Yeah. He was I mean, sick. So, he he know, was – I, I, I grew up loving Melvin and Larry and BJ. Like, that. those were my guys, that group there. Them, William Gallman, Ryan Stack, Bud Johnson, you know, that whole – Mid late nineties group that played at South Carolina. Those were my guys. Loved watching them play. Um, and, and then when you, you then you saw Devin Downey play, and you were like, I don't know if I personally because I wasn't around in the seventies, and I know people would have a disagreement with what I'm about to say, and that's totally fair. In my lifetime, I had not seen anything like Devin Downey in that uniform. Yeah, and, and, and you know, Sedaris Thornwell is going to have have his. Well, he has to. Yeah, I'd name I'd name the court for Sedaris Thornwell right now. Yeah, at some point in time, colonial life from Arena. Yeah, and at some point, at some point, Frank Martin will be back, and you know I, that's uh, so. Yeah, that <laughs> but was. Yeah, that was tough. That that's might tough. Need I, I, ten years. That may need a little while, but it's um, uh, gonna yeah, gonna need a little. You know, while. but I, I do think it's good to honor your history. I think there is a history here uh, a lot of people don't even know about. You know, so I think that. Uh, I think that's tremendous. I mean, you don't know how many times I'll talk to people up in, you know, near Studio North, and they're like, oh, he played at South Carolina? I didn't know that. Like the Bears fans, they all know Alshon Jeffrey, you know. Mm -hmm. 
because he had a good career. Well, Sean Jeffrey, you know, eh, eh. he played yeah. in South Carolina. I did not know that. Wow. <laughs> yeah, now he played somewhere down there, like Alabama <laughs> or South Auburn someplace. So what's that school? <laughs> yeah, no. What's the school with the paw? Uh... Uh, yeah, oh, by the way, bad. guys, driving in today, kind of an interesting story. I, I like to go, if I'm coming from Atlanta, like from Chattanooga to um, – to Atlanta, over to South Carolina. I, I like to, if I'm coming here, I still go through the upstate because I like to take the little connector. And I don't really like the I-20 way. It's just boring. But uh, I almost did not go I-85 because I didn't want to see the sun rise over Lake Hartwell. <laughs> but, 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 I, but I did. I did because I was like, ah, safety first, pettiness later. And sure enough, I saw a very average sunrise. Yeah, it was very average. The sunrise yeah, was, was not beautiful over Lake Hartwell. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's great to be back in state. <laughs> I was about to say, here's the good news: you, you don't have to watch the game up there this year. You, you get to watch it right here in Columbia uh, when they come rolling in. Uh, let's step aside. It's eleven twenty-seven. Uh, Hale McGranahan is patiently waiting, and. Mike Morgan will be right behind him here. It's jam-packed Tuesday morning slash afternoon. Make sure you've downloaded the all-new Chief Sports app and make sure you click those three little lines in the upper right-hand corner when you've got it up and share it with your friends, neighbors, family, and enemies as well. Uh, let's grow it together. We are teed up by the coolest club in the Carolinas, TravelingCountryClub.com. Cannot thank them enough for keeping me on the golf course and many of you as well. Love what they do. 45 courses in two states. It is just a wonderful, wonderful club to be a part of. And the fall is quickly approaching from the mountains to the seas. Get out there when the weather gets good. Travelingcountryclub.com. Michael Manus is the owner. He's a Hall of Famer in my book. That's for sure. Former Gamecock golfer. We're glad to have him. Glad to have you. We'll be right back. The preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics is Signorama Columbia, and they should be yours too. A full-service sign company that handles design, production, install, and service, Signorama Columbia has helped to bring to life the perfect vision for so many all across South Carolina. Owned and operated by proud Gamecock alumni, they can handle all types of signage, including interior and exterior, vehicle graphics, and more. Go to Signorama.com and find the West Columbia location or call them at 803-407-9284. Bring your brand to life with Signorama. Columbia and go Charleston Fitness Equipment is keeping South Carolina in shape. Clients have come from all over the Palmetto State to find that one piece of equipment that they enjoy that keeps them looking and feeling good. Whether it's a home rower, treadmill, elliptical, free weights, a home gym, or something else, Charleston Fitness Equipment keeps the mirror smiling back at you. Get in shape like the Gamecocks do. Visit charlestonfitnessequipment.com. Gamecock owned and operated and proud partners of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. If you're in the real estate market in the low country or even in the Midlands, please contact me, JB, with Coast to Coast Realty SC. You hear me and see me every day here on Inside the Gamecocks, and it would be an honor to earn your business. I've been around real estate my entire life as it's somewhat of a family business. I work with an elite team of experts from loans to insurance to closing, and they make my clients and my life very easy. It really is elite. Coast to Coast Realty SC.com is where you can find our staff, and you can always reach out to me here as well. Go Gamecocks. Cool, Joe, will you? 
And when I'm not eating average jambalaya or celebrating endless summer in Destin, I like to eat pimento cheese straight off the bucket. Mmm. And the only pimento cheese I like to eat is from Nana's Porch. It's award-winning. It'll melt in your mouth. It's good on a cracker. It's good in a bowl. It's good on a piece of bread. Also, don't forget Nana's Porch has a hell of a food truck. It's award-winning as well. And they're here for all of your catering needs. So get online. Nana'sPorch.com. It's mm-mm good. Coach O, signing off. In the summer, go Tiger. Ladies and gentlemen, here it is. everybody welcome back inside the gamecocks the show first hour of the show presented to you by cindy searfoss and the coldwell banker kane realty team here in the upstate give cindy a call for all your upstate residential real estate needs if you're interested in that average hartwell sunrise that jc was describing to us this morning she'll be happy to help you give her a call 864-414-5271 we are joined now on the McKellar Enterprises guest line by none other than Hale McGranahan. Oh, man, I, when I saw your name there earlier, it just said Hal. I was like, oh, oh, did did we somebody screw up your name in a presser or something again? <laughs> but it's back to yeah, Hale. I, see. I, I guess that was me who doesn't know how to spell my name. <laughs> ah, that's all right. Neither is JC. The jersey's still at the Embroiders. Like, see? Like, how, how long does it take to add an R, lady? Isn't yeah. Hal the computer from 2001? Yes. Hal. Hal? Like Shallow Hal? Yeah, Shallow Hal. That was a hell of a movie, too. I thought that was a great movie. That was a great movie. Oh, I enjoyed it. Yeah, it actually had a good meaning at the end. Hey, guys, we got a list that got it right. Leave it to the Mannings, of course. Uh, the Manning Award watch list, which is sponsored by the All-State Sugar Bowl, has included in their 33 quarterbacks. Or rather, that should not be a surprise, but for whatever reason it is, because he hasn't received a ton of recognition thus far. But uh, with that award uh, watch list out, the two top games, at least on paper, going into the first real uh, weekend of the season, September the 2nd, have four names on it going against each other, May and Rattler, and then Travis and Daniels in that LSU-Florida State matchup on Sunday night. So there you go, Hale. Uh, Spencer Rattler has has made somebody's list. It's, it's nice to hear. 
Yeah, congrats to him. I guess uh, he's he's ready to uh, to go pro now. So, but yeah, he's he he's teed up for it. I mean, do you think that that's been driving him? Does he pay attention to that at all? Have you had a chance to talk to him? As far as like the Drake May hype and that type of stuff, or yeah, and the lack thereof for himself as well. Yeah, I I would I would think so. Uh, it's yeah. probably kind of a natural natural thing for him to be able to, to look at if he's. Uh, needing an extra little push uh, and a workout or giving himself a, another reason to, to roll out of bed early in the morning to, to go to a workout. Maybe, maybe that can, can help him out a little bit, but I, I think he's pretty, pretty good at, uh, at being a self-starter and, and uh, yeah. you know, he's, he's here for, for a second year. So I, I think there's enough motivation, you know, beyond all the you know, talking season hype and, and that stuff. I think he's, he's pretty motivated all, all things considered. Well, we all do know who does keep receipts at South Carolina is the head coach. <laughs> yeah, uh, sure. He knows when the when the watch lists come out. He knows who's on them too, and he knows who isn't. And um, but this one, this one's got Spencer. All right, all right. Um, got another scrimmage coming up this weekend. Hail the big talk over the last. I, I don't know what do y'all think. Forty eight to seventy two hours really has been. Certainly headlined by Juice Wales. Uh, Juice Wales. Wow, what's going on here? Juice Wales' absence uh, from uh, the the program right now, dealing with a, quote, lower body injury. And then there's been some others that have had some things to deal with. That's generally always the, the point of conversation in the middle of August because we can't see anything and there's nothing else to talk about. Hale. So outside of that, what has stuck out to you ahead of scrimmage number two? Uh, just, you know, the kind of the list of guys who, who like you're talking about there, who, who've been out, you know, there've been a few others. He's not the only no, notable name. Juice, Juice Wells didn't. I mean, Trey oh, Knox. Yeah, no, there, there are a few. Trey Knox was, was on the list with, with the, uh, a, a knee injury. And, and apparently he was back at practice yesterday. And can uh, you address that real quick? Because late last week he was going to be out for, you know, I don't know if you go to Twitter for your medical advice or not, but there was a lot of people there that were giving it. Um, amongst other places. And, uh, yeah, three weeks, six weeks, and these guys, they know what they're talking about. But Shane said that he was going to be back Monday, which was yesterday. Yeah, there, there was plenty of uh, speculation or, or folks talking like they're in the know, which, you know, whatever. Some people know things, some people don't. But <laughs> I, I think it's it's uh, one of those things that I've heard about, specifically with, with Trey Knox, is that, that he should be back and ready to go I you know, I, I don't I don't think it was too serious what he's dealing with or has you know had pop up last week, late last week during practice. Um, but I, I as far as as far as I know, he should be ready to roll for the North Carolina game. Whether or not he'll be one hundred percent, I don't know. I, I I think I have an idea and it's probably not. And probably say that about a lot of college football players going into the first week of the season. If these guys are practicing for a month like Bumps and bruises are going to happen, like Shane said on Saturday. It's it's football. Like people get hurt, people play hurt, uh, people <laughs> have to fight through things to to uh, to stay on the field. Uh, that's just par for the course. So whether it's him or a guy like Grayson Howard, who's who's been on a little bit, or uh, some of the offensive linemen like Jackson Hughes, who uh, has been working back from an offseason thing, or Casey Henry, who's been sidelined for a little while, like. There is a, a list of guys who, who are fighting through some things, and, and I don't think we're going to be uh, looking at a, a depleted roster by any means 
for South Carolina when when we're what September the second or whatever that Saturday is uh, in Charlotte. I I think uh, there there probably will be a guy here or there that, that's not playing. That whatever, like you know what, North Carolina is going to have the same thing. Farm is going to have the same thing two weeks later, and so on and so forth. Uh, it's it's just nature of the beast. If people panic uh, over the least little thing, yeah, I, I I was I had to shut it off. Uh, when the juice stuff started happening, because it was just like, you know, people getting like pieces of information. Oh, bad news, bad news. And I'm like, look, man, <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. And, and I said this on 107.5 this morning, guys. I was like, if you work in the football building in a insignificant role, <laughs> quit telling your buddies these things so they can put them on Twitter. And I was like, and if you're tweeting this, all that does is damage the program that you you're supposedly pulling for and, and loving and wanting to be successful. So if you're pulling for your team and, and working for your team, then it does nobody any good to have this panicky information out on Twitter. But I can say that all I want because I've told fans not to tweet recruits for years and years and years, and it doesn't work. I mean, there's, there's literally a guy on Twitter now that says, Gamecock recruit fam in his bio. He's like a guy, a working guy, you know, working class guy. You could tell like his his hobby is to get on. You know, like, hey, bro. Yeah. Well, you make the best decision for you, bro. I'm with you, man. <laughs> Chiming in with the told advice, you know. Thank you. Yeah, that's very kind. I'm, pre- I'm preaching to the choir, but I know. But it, it was just frustrating because the Wells situation was not. I mean, it, it, it's just something that needs a little time, and I think it'll be fun. And I think, but anyway, screw all that, man. Who else is up at receiver? Okay, so forget so forget about Juice for a while because the next question is, and what we should be talking about instead of rehashing panicky injury situations. Who, who do you think, in your opinion, uh, a lot? You know, taking Juice. At, I'm not saying he's out, but take him out of the equation. Who else could be a, a difference maker there? Um, because because you get to it and there's just not there's not a lot of returning production at receiver outside of maybe Eddie Lewis, but there's a lot of potential. So there's two P words we're kind of fighting with. What say you, Hale? Well, Xavier Leggett's uh, probably the best place to start. He obviously had a monster performance in the bowl game, and like we've talked about before, he he had a great off season. Was one of the you know not just at the receiver position, but across the entire roster, one of the, you know, top performing guys during the offseason workout program. Uh, Marion Brown, there's there's optimism there that they can finally unlock some of that speed and potential and, and maybe put him in some positions to make plays and, and not do some things that he probably doesn't need to be doing, like we saw on occasion in the last year or two. Uh, so I, I would think that those two, specifically at, at wide receiver, are – or where that conversation starts, you know, people probably want me want me to go ahead and say Nick Harbour, just given his stature as a recruit, and I certainly think that he'll be involved in some capacity. But I don't, I don't think we could sit here and say, hey, week one he's going to go out there and play, you know, three fourths of the offensive snaps. I think that's a little unrealistic. But I do think they're going to have him involved in doing doing some stuff. What what that looks like, we'll see. Uh, you know. To me, 
receiver tight end can kind of be just a label for guys like Trey Knox and Josh Simon, but they're going to be heavily involved in the passing game too, obviously. Again, assuming Trey Knox is on the field. Um, I mean, heck, he started his college career as a receiver. Justin Stepp recruited him to Arkansas to play receiver. Um, you know, Josh Simon, similar to Trey Knox, is uh, just a big body who who's really athletic and can run and move, move really well. And, uh, again, maybe tight ends – just kind of a label. So, so I would think it starts with, with that group of guys and, and from where it goes from there, we'll see. But uh, I, I would think that to carry on Joyner, you know, he's a running back and, you know, that's not just a label, but I think he'll have some involvement in the passing game. We obviously have seen Juju McDowell have some involvement in the passing game. So I, I would say that that group of guys that I just kind of rattled off there for Rattler will be, uh, be heavily involved in, in the passing game, regardless of, whether they're a wide receiver, tight end, or running back. You should stir the pot and say Luke Doty. Oh, yeah, I could have said uh, Luke Doty. Too, I was yeah. hoping you'd do that. <laughs> stir the pot, Luke Doty. Nah. Uh, yeah. I think – I don't know. Some, some, And I haven't always uh, heard this, but I have heard some decent – I'll say decent things about Omega Blake this time around, that the, maybe the light's coming on. Uh, hmm. So who, who knows what there. But uh, – yeah, Amari and Brown, um, just like a lot of guys the last two years, I I never thought they they did what they needed to do with him, which is chuck yeah. it down the field and let it run under it. You know, mm-hmm. I mean the, the one time they did it, uh, our, the Arkansas game last year, which is the one game they went downfield. I mean, they, they you know they just didn't connect, but eventually, eventually it's going to connect. Hell, don't you think? I mean, yeah, seven seven times uh, or seven. Uh, you know, seven touchdowns as a true freshman. So I don't, I don't know. Yeah, that there was what whatever that disconnect was with the previous offensive coordinator, not to open up that can of worms, but uh, for whatever reason, we didn't see a ton of Amari Brown getting looks uh, on on deep balls. And, and when you got a guy who ran like ten five in the one hundred in high school, uh, seems logical enough. I know he's a little smaller and uh, maybe has some limitations from a physical standpoint, but. Uh, you know, he can probably run by a handful of people. And, yeah, I, I just that, – That's why I never understood, like, throwing, a, throwing him a, a screen pass where he stops and then the, the safety just envelops him. And the chances of him – because a lot of screen passes, what you want is for your guy to make a miss or, or, or they miss the tackle or they break the tackle and then you get a big game. But I, I never understood that at all. I, I, but anyway – Ball source, that's, that's crazy. So tight end, I think they'll be okay. They are a little thin at tight end, though, Hale. Um, if, you know, he said Knox was back, we should believe him. But if you did take Knox out of that equation, Reed McKeska also has been out for an mm-hmm. extended period of time. Um, have you heard anything about Nick Elk, Elksness? Maybe how he's doing the Florida transfer? Because uh, that, that would be kind of a guy that would that does a lot of different things. Yeah, I, I don't know that, that I've, I would say that I've, I've heard a lot. I've honestly heard more about Connor Cox over the course of the last seven, eight months uh, compared to Elksness. Yeah, I, I think Elksness will be involved in some capacity, whether it's more of an attached guy on the line of scrimmage who's doing a lot of blocking or or if they're getting him involved in the passing game. I, you know, I do know that they like what Connor Cox brings – from that standpoint as well as, as a blocker and, and think he could be a guy who could work the middle of the field, the seams. Uh, so I, 
you know, beyond Simon and Knox, I, I would say that those are the top two guys. And I don't know if I'd even go so far as to say I'd, I'd give Elksness the edge over Cox just because he's older and uh, been in college football a little longer. But, uh, yeah, I think those two guys are are, are probably going to be pretty capable, you know, complementary pieces within that, that tight end rotation behind, uh, again, Simon and, and Knox. Last night in the VIP room, JC listed a front five uh, with Sidney Fugar as the starting right tackle. That's that's his opinion on what he believes will be rolled out on Saturday, September the second. We all this conversation we're having about the skill guys. We had a conversation yesterday with Pat Demarco, as we do every Monday in our talking ball segment with him, and he said, "Well, none of it matters unless those guys up front get it right and get it together, and they stay cohesive and they make things happen." Um, so what have you heard on that front? Would you, uh, share an opinion or would you share JC's opinion that maybe Sidney Fugar has at least leveled himself out for the starting job, if not taken it? Yeah, I'd have to defer to JC on that since, since he was the one who reported that. But, uh, you know, Fugar was the, the very first day we we're out at, at practice, uh, what, two Fridays ago, whatever that date was, uh, he was, he was, with the first group at right tackle. And, uh, you know, he's, he's a big, large human being and he's been yes, around since the spring and, and, uh, you know, he, he too has some, some previous college experience. So, uh, I, I would think it'd be a good thing if, if he can start out at right tackle and, and not have to be replaced by somebody else for, for whatever reason, I, that would be a nice development if he could just hold his own and then, you know, give them uh, a little bit of a foundation over there. Because I, I I do feel like they're they're pretty solid inside, especially with Rashawn Lee and and Gargiulo and maybe Trey Jones to an extent. Uh, it's just those those tackles we're we're gonna have to kind of see how that comes along. I mean, Ja'Kai Morris played a lot over the years, and mm-hmm. uh, you know some of that's been inside. But uh, you know, I'm just gonna kind of have to see how it goes against North Carolina in that first game. I mean that. Their defense hasn't been all that great the last year or two, but I think maybe some of that was a result of having a bunch of young guys playing up front on their secondary was garbage as well. But had a bunch of young guys playing up front, and, and they're talented. Like there, are, there are a lot of these guys who, who are playing in that front seven for for North Carolina who who were offered and recruited by the the previous head coach here at South Carolina. And say what you want about him, he he was pretty good at uh, evaluating. Front seven players. Just look at uh, some of those defensive linemen who have been here at South Carolina in the past. Uh, so yeah, I think they're going to get tested pretty early on. Uh, at that offensive tackle, South Carolina will. What, what do you? We. Uh, this is. Uh, I don't want this to sound disparaging, but you know the the time that I had was able to spend along with JC around the large majority of this group of offensive linemen. I mean, heck, I think most all of them were at the Carolina Rise event. Uh, there was a noticeable difference, and I mean very noticeable difference in Tyshawn Wanamaker and Sidney Fugar. Hale is. Yeah. Are you seeing that out there on the practice field? As as Wanamaker put some weight back on in the last few months, what are you seeing? I uh, I think he's probably pretty close to where he was. Maybe what you saw. I, I don't know wow. what his number is, but yeah, if you if you uh, saw one standing next to the other, it'd be pretty obvious who. Uh, yeah. Who's the bigger fella? There, there's no doubt about that. 
Yeah, there's no doubt. I, I mean, I'm not saying that's going to impact anything one way or another. Tyshawn, guys, he has the experience. I think you'd like to have that out there, but um, it almost, I think JC said this not long ago, it almost looked like he wa- lost too much weight. He's got to go go want it again. I, th- I think Tyshawn Wanamaker is a really good player when he when he's kind of motivated to get out there and, and do it. I'm not saying he's not motivated right now. I don't know what's been going on with him in practice. I know he's not running or wasn't running with first team. Um, I was inside, but uh, I think he could be – he's one of those guys he could be as good as he wants to be. How about that? Let's just leave it at that. Yeah. All right, what else is on the docket, Hale? Uh, anything else that has popped your attention over the last couple of days and that we will be – I think they're scrimmaging at night this week, so I'm pretty sure there won't yeah. be a – there's no post-game pressure, uh, presser with Shane, right? That's correct, yep. We okay. – uh, so today – Today being Tuesday, for anybody who's listening on the podcast, today's Tuesday, so we'll have some interviews with with offensive players this afternoon, and we'll do it again on Wednesday with guys from the defensive side of the ball, and and uh, some media folks will get to go in on Thursday. I think in the morning uh, they'll they'll open up practice for five, six, seven periods, however long it is, uh, just a little bit to uh, to let us watch and see. See what we see and uh, go from there, and, that, and that'll be it for the week. Like you said, JB, they they scrimmage. I think at seven thirty. I, I think they're they're trying to kind of replicate that that kickoff in Charlotte. Yep. Uh, so yeah, no no interview with with Beamer afterwards. Don't have anything on Sunday, um, and I think Monday's off too. But uh, I, I think next Tuesday, a week from today, I believe we'll we'll be uh, talking to the coordinators. It's either next Tuesday or Wednesday. Um, so. Uh, hopefully we can uh, get some behind-the-scenes stuff, me and JC and Whittle and Tony, and uh, have it for our members at the Big Spur. We, we tried to uh, try to do that this time of year, which obviously uh, was the case with the VIP room last night and some of the other stuff on the site. So we'll certainly effort to do that again uh, over the weekend and, and early next week as we uh, get closer to, to real football. All right, one minute. Any thoughts on Braswell so far in uh, in, in camp? Uh, Carol Luca, uh, he I guess he used to cover him as a reporter, so I wanted to make he's a good chat boxer. So any thoughts on Braswell so far? Yeah, I I, I think Shane said said he had a couple of nice runs during the scrimmage this past Saturday, and uh, I, I think they're pretty encouraged by by what they've seen from him so far during camp. I mean he's. He's one of those guys who he, he ran track in high school and was a state champion in the 100 and 200 meter as a junior. And it's not just a track guy. Like he, he's a physical tough runner. And, uh, you know, I, I don't want to say he's primed to, to make a big impact as a freshman, but he, he certainly has the, the body type and, and, and some, some ability to, to play early. Um, we'll, we'll see how, how much that, you know, plays out, but uh, like a broken record, kind of saying that a few times here on the show today. But uh, I, I think he's equipped to to play and 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 uh, and to be a good player sooner than later. I, I was a big fan of his coming out of high school. Again, you look at the track times, the production. I mean, his high school team wasn't very good, and he still found ways to uh, to put up some numbers and 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 make some plays for for that team. Uh, what Washington County High School, I guess it is in Sandersville, Georgia. Wake up. Uh, yeah, so I, I'm one of my uh, 
one of my guys who, who I was, you know, excited to, to see what, what he had to offer to this team, uh, especially given, given the, the state of that, that position, that running back. He's going to play. There's no doubt about that. And his time is coming soon, real soon, as a matter of fact. We are only about 18 days away from kickoff in Charlotte. Hey, we'll let you run and grab a sandwich before you go back to covering South Carolina football. There's a great column up right now at the Big Spurs, sizing up the position quarterback. Hale uh, discusses the future and what is in place from a recruiting standpoint and coming down the pike. Maybe check that out. If you've got the Chief Sports app, you can minimize our screen and pull it up and check it out there. Hey, I'm a great hand with the Big Spur. Talk to you next week, man. We're getting close. We're getting close to talking about actual games. I know you're excited like the rest of us. Absolutely. Appreciate it, boys. Y'all be good. There you go. Hail McGranahan again with BigSpur.com. Hail, yeah, in the words of one mad dog, Molinax. Coming up at noon, it is Mike Morgan Power Hour. Brought to you and proudly presented by Palmetto Medicare. And uh, so we're looking forward to that. One thing we have not mentioned yet today is the news that popped yesterday uh, from, or yesterday, earlier this morning, from South Carolina women's basketball. Both Maryland and UConn will be welcome to Colonial Life Arena this year. Maryland, Sunday, November the 12th. UConn, Sunday, February the 11th. Tip times and TV information will be released at a later date. I think that UConn game has been sold out every time they played in Columbia. Uh, so I anticipate it will be again. And probably the Maryland game, too. So I'd be shocked if get your, both weren't. Yeah, yeah me too. I mean, I, how how many years is it that they've led the go. country? Seven years? Seven straight years they've led in attendance or something like that? Eight years? It's oh, a lot. And it's... Far and away. I mean, I don't think there's anybody close. Not when close. you look at number two, it's it's thousands. I mean, it's 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 like it's so strange that you can fill up the CLA for a women's game, but we just can't quite get there for the men. So let's not go. even halfway. Yeah, and those yeah, are, those yeah, are yeah, like halfway. real numbers too. <laughs> That's those not a fair numbers. comparison, I know, but it's the truth. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I'll mention this real quick too before we head to a break because we got to quickly double before we get to Mike. Uh, Hale mentioned that after the scrimmage Saturday night, no Beamer, uh, there will be no media on Sunday and there will be no media on Monday either um, from uh, the South Carolina coaching staff or its players. Uh, but on Tuesday, uh, there will be a Shane Beamer press conference at 1.30. That's basically the, the first official Shane Beamer Tuesday presser of the year. They're on Tuesdays now at 1.30 p.m. Um, and then on Wednesday next week, that is also the first Shane Beamer Carolina calls. They'll be on Thursdays during the season, basically starting the following week, heading into game week. But next week, it'll be be a special on Wednesday at 6 p.m. at uh, Backstreet's Grill in Columbia. So uh, it'll kind of they'll take Sunday and Monday following this weekend scrimmage to kind of get some things planned out, leveled out, ironed out, and then they will begin to kick it into gear as far as their weekly media rotations, and that's what it's going to look like. 
All right, we will step aside. We are painted garnet and black by a couple of painters. LemmePaintSomething.com. If you or someone you know needs employment if and you live in Georgia or in South Carolina and you can paint, or maybe you can't paint but you want to be trained how to do it, LemmePaintSomething.com. Call this number, 803-522-6832. They pay well and they treat you well, and if you're a Carolina fan, You'll really enjoy it because that is a Gamecock-owned and up- operated company. Tristan and the Still family are absolutely wonderful, and they'll paint anything and everything all across the state of South Carolina and all across the Peach State to our west as well. Mike Morgan up next right here on Inside the Gamecocks, the show, part of the Chief Sports Network. Welcome home. That's what the Gamecocks say, and so does the Barndo Company where they can build your dream home starting as low as $160 per square foot. If you live in the Carolinas, Georgia, or Tennessee, their turnkey process takes just four to six months on average and can be custom designed by size and details. Make your dream a reality. Visit thebarndominiumco.com. That's thebarndominiumco.com. The Barn Doe Company. Gamecock. Owned and operated. Welcome to TravelingCountryClub.com your modern golf club experience. Hey folks, this is Michael Manis, former Gamecock golfer, inviting you to play more golf with a membership to TravelingCountryClub.com. With over 40 courses across the Carolinas, our membership provides you with an affordable way to enjoy a club-like golf experience. From the mountains to the coast, we offer golf courses that will challenge all types of golfers, no matter your handicap level or level of play. Plus, we offer unique membership benefits not seen anywhere else as part of Traveling Country Club. Tee it up with Traveling Country Club, TravelingCountryClub.com, TravelingCountryClub.com, proud partners of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Hey everybody, this is Mo Copper from Carolina Football. The show is painted garden and black every day by a couple of painters. Go to LetMePaintSomething.com to check them out. Go Cox. 10% off for military repeat customers or mention the show. Interior, exterior painting, fencing, cabinet staining, concrete painting, popcorn ceiling removal, and more. 803-522-6832. LetMePaintSomething.com. Just as your State Farm agent combines good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates, you can combine your home, auto, life, or small business insurance with Tony Pope State Farm Insurance today. And guess what you'll get? That's right, even more good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates. In fact, Tony Pope State Farm is your go-to agent anywhere in South Carolina, North Carolina, or Georgia for the service you deserve at the price you want. So try combining your home, life, auto, and or small business insurance today. Tony Pope State Farm has been in business for more than 30 years and can handle anything you need in the tri-state area. Once again, Tony Pope State Farm will help you mix and match perfectly. Call 843-851-2222 or visit TonyPope.com today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. 
Nana's Porch, nanasporch.com. At Nana's Porch, they cater weddings, parties, and all kinds of special events. Their meals are served buffet style. In seconds, they're encouraged. Plus, they can bring their mobile food unit to bring on-site and serve your guests as a unique alternative for your catering needs. Inquire about rentals as well. Nanasporch.com. Find them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. 336-259-7550. If you're on Medicare currently or approaching eligibility, it's time to enroll in the Medicare plan that meets your needs. Palmetto Medicare is here to help you through the process. Palmetto Medicare's owner, Brian Spencer, and his team of experts are here to assist you. Learn about the benefits and enroll in the plan that will cover as many of your medical costs as possible. Some of the advantages of Medicare health plans may include variety of plan choices, increased benefits, lower premiums, and more. Give Palmetto Medicare a call to discuss your insurance and help get the exact coverage for your needs today. Settles in the pocket, launches one deep down the field, wide open at the 15, 10, 5, touchdown, touchdown Tampa Bay. It's time for Power Hour with Mike Morgan on Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Looking deep downfield, going out, throws it up in the air, and it is touchdown, Troy Williamson, what a catch. Saturday evening here in bluegrass country. Ahead to Buckman, slam, city for Ronaldo Buckman, the 20. 10-5, touchdown. To Frederick, Frederick, lays it in at the buzzer. That's a win. Unbelievable. I don't believe it. Who started with one, pull up three. Good if it goes. He got it. He got it. He got it. Carolina wins. Havens gets it high and deep to right. We'll see it over. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. He's done it before. Was that uh, that Lowell Galindo? (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) Lowell Galindo. Isn't he with the Longhorn Network? There, I, I, if JC's referring to what I think he's referring to, uh, well, I don't know if he is or he isn't, but um, so Lowell Galindo, yeah, he's with the Longhorn Network, uh, the soon-to-be defunct Longhorn Network. And um, my first ESPN game was uh, 2009, and it was at South Carolina, and it was on, I think, ESPNU. And Lowell was back in studio, and he kept calling me Michael Morgan, oh, which is okay. like you know what my mom would call me when I'm in trouble. Um, so, so that, that went on and finally I like, and it's my first game. I mean, I don't know who to tell or what to say, but like, it's, it's Mike. It's not, it's not Michael, but no, it's not, uh, yeah, I've never even met Lowell. I just remember he was like the guy that had the huge Windsor knot tied. I don't know if he still does that. He he was kind of on his way and then, uh, like went to the Longhorn network and, like I was reading an article about the demise of the Longhorn Network, and I and I look and oh, I forgot 
Lowell Galindo went to that network. I, I'd forgotten all about him. There's a blast from yeah. the past. So. Yeah. Oh, well, sad days for the Maybe we'll have a Lowell Galindo sighting again. He's out the there. Network. He's out there. No, I was just joking, man. I, well, he's I calling was, it. He's calling all the games this year for Texas on the Longhorn Network, yeah. the ones that are on it. Which I think is one. Is that it? Yeah. Yeah. Typically, uh, every game is uh, is on either the ESPN network or the Fox networks, uh, except for except for one. Well, this party really died. Yeah. Yeah. Right, moving on. Tune into the Longhorn Network. Like, yeah, he's, gonna, he's calling the games for the Longhorn Network. One game, guys. One game. Well, yeah, did, I we, mean, that, did we lock that, you in that, a dumpster? I got out. No. Yeah, I mean, there, there's. I mean, the we could we could go into the whole birth of that network and now we don't, what was behind it and all that um, good stuff. It's actually a pretty fascinating case study but uh that's that's a story for another time how you guys doing we're living the dream mike how are you i'm doing well just uh sweating like the rest of us in the south jeez yeah. dude I, i'm done i'm done with it man i can't even let the dogs out i mean it's it just is, it sucks you dry out there i just got here. here yeah well i just got here Welcome. No, I it's like way after the show too. I got to drive down to Columbia. I, I, I rolled. I rolled through that. Atlanta before dawn today, Mike, and uh, rolled rode by your exit. I was like, "Well, if the car breaks down, I can always call." Mike. Yeah, I was going to say, "How about a little drop in?" <laughs> yeah, I was like, yeah, it was just about five o'clock. So I was like, "Ah, you know." But ah. uh, when when I turned my air conditioner down in the car, literally the the humidity from outside would come in and make the. The rearview mirror foggy. <laughs> There's not that kind of humidity in Chicago. Well, <laughs> that's the that's the thing. That's that's what sucks right now about being on the coast. Like, I know it's hot in the Midlands. I know it's hot in the Upstate and all these other places. But here's the thing: at night, at least it's getting down like into the low 70s. Last night at 11 o'clock, it was 84 degrees, and you walked outside, and it's like somebody stuck a blowtorch in your ass. I mean, it was ridiculous. <laughs> Pardon my French, but I mean, like you, you just, you, you know, I was like, this is, a, yeah, I'm tired of it, man. Well, so, here, here's my thing on the weather. Look, we live in the South. Um, and so from my standpoint, um, the, the winter is so much better than what it can be, as JC can attest, that I just don't complain about heat. I like, I, I hate it, like all of us. I don't like sweating when I walk to my car and I, you know, I don't, it's when you walk, when I walk my dog, like you said, I mean, it's, it's rough, but I, I just, I know the alternative. I also know that, um, it, it's not going to get any better. You know, you, you can sell, mm. this is just my theory. Don't anybody get too sensitive. You can sell a hundred thousand more electric cars and we're still going to have a whole lot of heat in the summer in the South. Yeah. Yeah, it's not going anywhere. That's why. Yeah, I mean, that's why we're gonna let's just break the news, JC. The eleven ten project at South Carolina, the Gamecocks are building a dome. They will be playing in a domed stadium (laughs) uh, soon that will only seat twenty thousand, and uh, fifteen of those thousand will be box seats. You know, with all the technology, this is what I've always wondered. I know we have retractable roof stadiums, but like I, I would think about this every time there's a rain delay. Could we not just invent like a temporary roof that like i don't know you can hit a button and it, and it pops up and then Shield. 
and then shoot some, uh, you know, if nothing else blocks the sunshine, if it's too hot on a particular day and avoids any rain or for that matter, uh, lightning delays. We, we have such technology. We can't, we can't do that. We can't get that done. I'll bet they could. Probably could. I think it would just cost a bunch. Yeah. It's like a force field. Yeah. You yeah. guys remember Super Friends? Yeah, that, absolutely. Uh, they made a force field, uh, but there was a solar flare, and it ruined humanity. Superman was the last guy alive because he mm. was stronger than everybody else, but everybody else was dead because it baked the whole Earth. And then some aliens came along and like gave Earth a second chance. Oh, so it's pretty the, much it's a, yeah, it's, some of the, the media is telling us now. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's in the Bible, guys. Come on. It's in, that's right. That movie was foreshadowing for 2023. But, but Mike's right. It, it, there, there are some stadiums that do that. Like Major League Baseball's moved away from that to a certain extent. Like in Milwaukee now, they have a, like a spaceship looking, uh, used to be called Miller Park. It's called like American Family, blah, 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 blah whatever now. Probably need to go back to Miller now. <laughs> it's Miller that time. Be, that would yeah. be a good time to go back to Miller it's Miller Park. time. But I mean, it, it, it's like this big futuristic thing where the the, the roof came in and out, and, and then people just, they stopped wanting it. I, yeah. I think one thing in the SEC that you have to keep in mind too is as hot as it is down south, it's always it's always been hot or whatever. With ESPN and, and Mike Mike knows this thing, and I'll let him talk about it. With ESPN losing inventory, i.e., the Big Ten. What do we normally see? We get up in the morning, we have our kegs and eggs, we go to brunch, we do whatever, we start tailgating. And normally, it's Iowa-Purdue. Game day, we're sitting right to West Lafayette for the Hawkeyes. And then turn to ESPN2, Michigan State's already up 7-0 on Indiana. <laughs> and, uh, and then on Jefferson Pilot or SEC Network, you have your one SEC game. I think now, you know, that's competing with the big noon kickoff at Fox. The CW. I think, oh, of course. Yeah. The Gilmore Girls. about the CW. Right. What if there's a Gilmore Girl, Girls Bowl? Live after divorce court. But uh, a Wapner Bowl. There's a Jimmy Kimmel Bowl. Why can't there be a Gilmore Girls Bowl? Uh, I hope uh, certain ACC teams get invited to that. Anyway, but you're, you're going to see more SEC games kick off at noon. And during the warmer months – I don't know, man. I mean, I, I, I think the less of those, the better during the warmer months. But I, uh, Mike, do you, do you agree with me that Absolutely. because the inventory at ESPN, you know, they don't have that Big Ten kickoff. And That's right. The Big, the Big Ten schools love kicking off at noon. Been saying it this forever. Cold. People yeah, are looking yeah. at this 10, 15 years ago. Like if you're not on seven seven o'clock on ESPN, then your your game doesn't quote matter to the network. That's not true, Mike. Explain it. Yeah, no, there, there's no. That's what Fox did. They saw the window. That's right. They said we're, we we can't compete with the nighttime windows, uh, particularly like a, a really good SEC game. We're just going to take over twelve o'clock, mm-hmm. and that's you know that's why you don't see Michigan Ohio State at seven thirty because the numbers are astronomical at noon. You you don't have to do that. You can just dominate. That's what their whole counter programming argument was. If you can't beat them, try something else. So we can't beat. The other networks at night, let's go ahead and try to dominate noon. But now what you're going to see uh, with with the other leagues, as JC mentioned, there's going to be more noon ACC games, Big 12 games, uh, and, of course, SEC games. 
that that's going to be where you don't have to watch because I mean we'll watch it because we're starved for football. So if if high noon is Iowa Illinois, you might get me for fifteen minutes because I got no other options. You're not going to have to subject yourself to that anymore. Um, that's that's not going to be the case. The twelve o'clock window is still very valuable. Is it as valuable as prime time? No, but you know at the end of the day, it's still about what what ratings you draw. And if you look at some of those really good, the thing is that college football fans, if it's a really good game and they want to watch it, they will go out of their way to watch it. And so that's whether it's noon, three thirty, seven o'clock, seven thirty. They will find their way to get in front of their TVs and watch that game. So noon is still, I mean, people people bag on noon. Noon is actually not a bad time slot at all anymore. Noon, there's, there are very many uh, weekends where a noon game will outdraw that 7 o'clock ESPN2 game that you think is prime time. Um, and it is technically, but the noon game that week, that week could be a better game that does better. Some of the best games last year were at noon. So uh, we're no longer in the, uh, well, if it's night, then it's truly a big deal. And if it's during 12, it's like a slap in the face. Those rules don't apply anymore. We're not watching Jefferson Pilot anymore with shoddy production. And everything now is pretty crisp. And if you're on noon, 3.30 and 7.30. The other thing is, when you, if you really are concerned about eyeballs, and as a fan of a particular program like the Gamecocks, you kind of should be because the more eyeballs you get, uh, the better it is for the program, right? It's kind of like what I always talk about the Carolina-Clemson rivalry. It's huge for everybody in the state of South Carolina, but it just gets buried sometimes with all the other big rivalry games going on. And if you're going up against Auburn, Alabama, it's tough to get a good rating and a good share. But – like that Carolina-Tennessee game last year, it's not because it was at night that it, it did so well. What else was it? What was against it? Does anybody remember? I don't think I don't, there was a great game against there's it. anything. That's no. why they were there. That's right. That's right. Because, on, on this, I mean, Carolina was just coming off a really bad loss against Florida. Uh, I don't know what the point spread was. I'm assuming Tennessee was a double-digit favorite. 104, the, yeah. They were not. That was not expected to be. You know, the Gamecocks coming out party in a way, in a in a, in a in an entertaining matchup. At least if you're a Gamecock fan. But sometimes things they they don't follow the script. But you'd almost rather be on at noon against nothing or a crappy Big Ten game than be on in prime time against two games that are surely going to draw more viewers. That's just looking at it purely. For, I, the average fan doesn't care. Like I always love the three thirty game. That's my sweet spot. As a fan, as a uh, broadcaster, as anything, 3.30 is not too early and it's not too late, and I still can do other things before yeah. the game and after the game. That's my sweet spot, but I realize for some people it might be different. You're an Eastern time zone guy. That's why, Mike. Well, sure, yeah. And you're self, selfish Eastern time zone. Yeah, and JC- even if, if I was in the central time zone, it'd be 2.30. It's 2.30 is a little early. It's a little early, you know, for me. I'm like, I don't know. He's, you know, don't he's know just getting out of bed at 2.30. Yeah, I don't know. Way, I don't know. To of your course, point, the, the new kickoffs in Central are at 11 a.m. Yeah. Well, that is, that is er, that's too early for me. <laughs> And again, I've I've been behind the mic for some of those, and I'm just like, wow, we're about to kick this thing off at 11 a.m. But whatever that, happened to those nine o'clock kicks that they the were? Pack 12. That, that was a Pac-12 genius. That idea. was a Pac-12 thing. Um, <laughs> and I, now they'll they'll just you know 
They'll play in your living room at the time it's most convenient. If you want them to, they just need some audience. <laughs> or they're the pack four. Send them a time. You tell us when to be there. Enough we'll feed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, to, to your point, Mike, South Carolina and North Carolina kicking at 730. The only real competition that evening is on NBC, uh, which is Penn State and West Virginia. Um, that'll be Todd Blackledge's first game as the color guy in Happy Valley. Who's outstanding, FYI. by the way. Um, absolutely is outstanding. Yeah, and, and and yeah, that game is – I don't know what to make of West Virginia. I think Neil Brown's on borrowed time. But but clearly the best game is is the Battle of the Carolinas. I mean, that – and that's why you play those games. Now, if you lose, it is a just an absolute gut punch that's – as we learned a few years ago, sometimes you don't recover from. I mean, that was kind of the beginning of the end for Will Muschamp, was it not? Um, but if it's if you can win it and you can enjoy all that exposure and you know all the recruiting success that Shane Beamer and his staff are having right now, those are the kind of games that that go a long, long way in, in doing it. So I understand why you schedule it. It it provides a lot more headaches and stress and everything else. But man, oh man, if if you can pull it off, it's it's such a coup. What are South you? Carolina. Yep, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to mention South Carolina's lost one of those opener opening games in Charlotte. I think they're three and one, including yeah. they're one and one yeah. against Tar Heels. They won the one in twenty fifteen too, when they were three and nine. Yeah, and North Carolina won nine games. Sky so Moore saved the, the division. Day. So, uh, and uh, they beat NC State. They got outgained by three hundred yards that day. Yep, but sure did. Uh, Old and Debo in a, in a wild one with one Lincoln Riley dialing up ball plays for East Carolina. They rallied from seventeen nothing down and beat East ECU fifty six thirty seven. Two thousand eleven. First one of these. This is the last one though for a long, long time. There's nothing scheduled in Charlotte. The, uh, the only the other neutral years. they have scheduled is Virginia Tech in Atlanta. Uh, yeah. In twenty twenty five. That's it over there yeah, in the I'll backyard be, of one Mike Morgan. I will be getting off on Mike's exit that 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 Labor Day. Yeah, there. me too. I think I'm going to stay at Mike's house, JC. Save room from the hot tub for hey, all. Well, all well, at Mike's. Listen, yeah. <laughs> I'll get the. I'll get an RV, and we'll just show up like cousin Eddie and the kids. And Mike, <laughs> if he's just best, just let him finish. Blank. Mike, Mike. Mike knows the story about when South Carolina lost to North Carolina in the opener. Oh God! I had just started dating that, and we go, and I'm like, yeah, I gotta keep. Should you a tell this story? Uh, yeah, and and so and, and we went to dive bar in Buckhead because we had the watch parties there, and I, I kind of promoted it for my friend Zach, and it was packed. We're watching the game and and and, and all that. And Carolina's up twenty to nine, and then they go two hundred yard drives, and I'm like, they're going to lose this game to North Carolina. Hmm. And I, I was, I, I literally was explaining to Nat like why I was mad at Kirk Herbstreit. We're sitting in Mike's house. And uh, watching game day, and I was like, I can't believe Kirk Herbstreit picked North Carolina. By he God, did, didn't it. he? I forgot about he that. He did. Yeah. And so I had to leave with Matt because I was like, I'm not sticking, sitting around, bitching with all the fans. I jumped in an Uber, and we go uh, to this great little establishment in Atlanta uh, where the, the strippers go to retire. Have I mentioned oh. this before? The retired strip club. Is, should you be telling this publicly? Is that really true? I didn't see any of that when I was there. <laughs> Did we you go to the right place? place? 
<laughs> Maybe yeah, I was it, right. <laughs> it was mostly it was mostly dudes, and it was uh, <laughs> wait. Like just younger. Crazy, Are we right? talking about the same place, Mike? I don't know, man. <laughs> the, the one where you knew the owner, who's a big no. That's dive bar, dude. <laughs> oh, what are you no, talking no, no. about? I went to. Uh, oh gosh, man, what's it called? Man, hold this on. Is, I'm gonna have to look. This is it getting worse. Ken says Claremont Lounge. Claremont Lounge. Claremont Lounge. God, I forgot. I, you guys I, went. I, yes, yes. It was yes, so yes. bad. I was like, I need to go to the one place. It's just so messed up. Yes. That oh. I could get my mind off of this for a little while. That's right. And so I took Nat to Claremont right. Lounge, that, and I and said, now, "You'll get a." I said, "It's a strip club, but you'll get a kick out of it because it's the retired strip club." Yeah, it's more of a joke than it is anything else, and it's one of those things. Like when I first moved to Atlanta, everybody's like, "You got to do it at least once. You got to do it at least once." And I did it once, and it was. It's definitely a one and done. Like I don't want to go back. Uh, it's a little, a little bit frightening, honestly. Um, it is. but, it, but it's, it's a good, it's a, it's like a gag gift. It's, it's a, it's good for a while. It is. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a whoopee cushion or something. Through college there or have we uh, graduated from <laughs> No, she's, they're putting herself into an assisted living home. Most of them. <laughs> That's right. Getting the premier yeah. retirement. They got to pay yeah, for they, the, they, these uh, are, this is like the old timers game. Award. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It's like this, it's like the legends <laughs> tour, but they only take cash, which I think is good. And they sell canned beer. And so I took, I took her there and, she got a kick out of it, and we laughed, and finally came back and actually watched some football with, with Mike. Uh, we uh, watched Missouri lose to Wyoming. That's uh, before I met JB, but I'm sure JB remembers that game, don't you? When Missouri lost to Wyoming in the opener, yeah, I remember it well. I picked that game. I picked Wyoming to win that game. As a matter of fact, I remember it very well. Yeah, Again, the on way, the that, advice of my father-in-law. That. Yeah. Uh, that tar, I mean, that Tar Heel game. Nobody knew Sam Howell. No, I mean, maybe in recruiting, JC knew him, but like, I, nobody knew how good Sam Howell was. That was his coming out party. It's a true and freshman, then, first start. Yeah, yeah, and 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 like, I don't know, JC, how many stars he had next to his name coming out of high school, but I knew next to nothing about him. He's a five star. <laughs> He's, or is that you just call? Sorry, okay. yeah, no, late blooming. Um, Okay. Late part of the experience. He, he was a four for a long time, but he went to the Army Bowl and like went off and they moved him to five. He, you know, he was committed to Jimbo Fisher and and no. Willie Taggart. State, right? He was committed to Willie Taggart. Yeah, he was to, going to, to FSU. Smoking Willie. And uh he uh Mac had just gotten to North Carolina and Mac flipped him. Uh and then they played the Gamecocks and what a lot of people don't remember about that North Carolina team, though, is they did have Sam Howell, but they had two really, really good running backs, Shante Williams and Michael Smith, mm-hmm. uh, that were just like two- and three-star kids from North Carolina, and they both were like really, really good. Um, and they ran all over the Gamecocks, wore them out. And Carolina lost. Jake Bentley got hurt. and The rest is history. But, that was uh, yeah. Jake Bentley as we knew him. I'll never forget going to the Claremont Lounge. Uh, after that game, because I was just so distraught, and, and I didn't want to show my butt in front of my my new girlfriend. I see someone um, typing out. I think Sam is just as good as Drake. You know, as a college quarterback, maybe. Um, now, you know, Howell was at one time projected to be a first rounder, and then he dropped like significantly to like a fourth or fifth round pick, and he's got a chance to win the job in uh, Washington. But uh, he doesn't have the arm that Drake May does. I, I tell you that. 
Uh, Drake May's a, he's a different different skill set, different different skill set altogether. And and again, he'll be a top five pick, not a not just a first rounder. Mike, we need to step aside for a timeout. When we return, though, on the topic of quarterbacks, a couple of elite QB matchups now not far away, and it's close enough where we can kind of start comparing the two. Want to gauge your excitement in both of those ball games, North Carolina versus the real Carolina, at least on this show, and then LSU and Florida State uh, following up on Sunday night. Also, Alshon Jeffrey, his jersey is being retired. Yeah in Columbia and um, wanted to uh, get your thoughts and opinions, not only on that, but the future. This program has been really enhanced under the leadership of Coach Tanner and trying to acknowledge the greatest athletes to ever play at the University of South Carolina in their respective sports. And something interesting came up earlier uh, about honoring Steve Spurrier. I kind of mentioned it, and at some point in time, the time is right. I mean, he's the one that created expectations in South Carolina. There were none prior to him getting here and wanted to get your thoughts on that as well. So we got a boatload to get Mike Morgan's opinion on here in power hour on inside the Gamecocks of the show. Hang tight. We are built by the barn doco and this hour is, is uh, proudly presented by Palmetto Medicare 803-960-9484. We'll be right back. Brian Spencer. <laughs> hey everybody. This is Mo Coppa from Carolina football. The show is painted garnet black every day by a couple of painters. Go to LetMePaintSomething.com to check them out. Go Cox. 10% off for military repeat customers or mention the show. Interior, exterior painting, fencing, cabinet staining, concrete painting, popcorn ceiling removal, and more. 803-522-6832. LetMePaintSomething.com. If you're in the upstate of South Carolina and are in need of residential real estate services, Cindy Bass Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane is for you. Ask her about the village at Creekside, all of her listings in my hometown of Spartanburg, South Carolina, right there on Daniel Morgan Avenue, married to a lifelong Gamecock fan. And many of our listeners have already bought homes from her and been 100% satisfied with the detail and care she uses. Cindy Searfoss, 864-414-5271, Caldwell Banker Kane in the upstate for your real estate needs. Building your dream home is often just that, a dream and sometimes a nightmare. But at the Barndo Company, they commit to quality and build without sacrifice. Customization, open floor plans, limitless flooring options, maintenance-free and easy insulation perks, and affordability are just a few reasons why they've been named one of the best builders in the U.S. Believe in your dreams. Visit thebarndominiumco.com. That's thebarndominiumco.com. The Barndo Company. Gamecock owned. Gamecock operated. The preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics is Signorama Columbia, and they should be yours too. A full-service sign company that handles design, production, install, and service, Signorama Columbia has helped to bring to life the perfect vision for so many all across South Carolina. Owned and operated by proud Gamecock alumni, they can handle all types of signage, including interior and exterior, vehicle graphics, and more. Go to Signorama.com and find the West Columbia location or call them at 803-407-9284. Bring your brand to life with Signorama Columbia and go game 
guy is back from yesterday. So, oh, we got this is where hmm? this is Bake uh, J- JC. Allow Phil and I to introduce you to the the gentleman who's supposed supposed to be earning us some commission. We got you a new Big Spur member yesterday with this guy, and he also wants to donate to Carolina Rise. We won't take commission on that. We've we've heard the heard what happens over the last few weeks. You know, um, yeah, y'all seem to frown upon that. I so, thought it was pronounced yeah. Baquet. Well, maybe it's Mister Baquet. You know, he might be he might be French. I, I I don't know, but he's at least here with us. And um, and yesterday, uh, we we gave him our pitch. I think Phil's was a little bit better than mine. And then Whittle, we had Whittle give him a pitch. He asked, should he join? you know, another site or should he join the big spur? And so after the pitches, he, he, he signed up. And, um, so we'd like, uh, we'd like, what did we settle on Phil? 40% of monthly. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. You know, 40% would be great. And, uh, we really appreciate that. Uh, Mike Morgan here or Billy Hoyle. (laughs) We got Billy Hoyle in today till one o'clock. Um, (laughs) Mike, before I jump you back in here, I, I want to make sure I mention this. So collectively, we all don't forget about it. And I know going into break, I said what we were going to talk about. But I did see on the uh, the uh, X machine, I guess that's what we call it now, uh, during um, while we were gone, while we were away, that they have already announced the big noon kickoff for Saturday, September the 30th. That's the fifth week of the season. So, OK, hats off to NBC and. And 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 those those guys for getting that far in advance. Uh, by the way, the the game that they announced is Michigan at Nebraska on September the thirtieth. So J J C and Phil's good buddy uh, Coach Satterfield will be calling games against uh, the Wolverines in that one. Now, I decided. Well, let me go take a look at Week Five and see why they chose this game. And I didn't have to get very far to realize that. Let's say the preseason rankings all kind of unfold the way that they think they're going to, at least in the top 10. Check this out, boys and girls. Numbers 1, 2, 4, 5, 6, 7, 9, and 10 are all on the road in week 5. That's when chaos happens. So that's it. I've circled it. Week 5, someone's going to get beat, probably 2 or 3, and it'll turn the college football world football world upside down. All right, Mike, I'm done. Sorry. And half those teams you mentioned will no longer be in the top 10 before that game. Probably Good not. Well, I will say he's told me nothing. Absolutely nothing. Actually, so let me let me let me read them to you. One Georgia, two Michigan, four Bama, five LSU, six Southern Cal, seven Penn State, nine Clemson, and ten Washington. It's, I think most of them will still be in the top ten by most then. Most of them, yeah. But I, I like I wouldn't be surprised if three of them out now well, that's without looking at the schedules obviously and seeing do they play anybody worth a damn yeah. during the first few weeks of, of you know the month of september and into october i don't know that but um you know we we do this to ourselves every year and we set ourselves up to be stunned that an upset happens in college football and they always do always <laughs> so again there's to me I, I don't know if we had this conversation but there's like a handful, maybe you could stretch it out to six or seven teams that I truly believe have a chance of winning it all. That's it. The other 130 
are playing for other stakes, and it's okay. You know, you've, Thirty. Don't if, if you're if you're living your life where it's a national title or bust, you're going to live a very sad life because that's not the reality that most programs live in. But there's only about there's only about a handful that I think truly have a chance. You know, TCU was the great. That's the biggest Cinderella story we've had in college football in a long, long time. Mm. Uh, they're almost like BYU, but we didn't have a playoff format when BYU won their very uh, generous title. Um, but, but yeah, there's a few at the top. And after that, like I don't think there's a huge difference between the eighth best team in the country and the 18th. The 18th best co- team in the country and the 35th. The 35th best co- team in the country and the 55th. I, I just don't think. Like once you get past that elite group that is so utterly talented and deep, I don't think there's there's major upsets that truly happen. The point spreads might say otherwise, but so much of that is going on rankings and, and perception. But in terms of talent, one through eighty five, I don't think there's as big a difference as we might think there is. Speaking of talent, Brian Spencer and Palmetto Medicare sure do have it, and they are very talented at what they do in keeping South Carolina healthy. They are, and uh, I know a lot of people, when they tune into uh, Inside the Gamecock Show, they they can only hear it, so I'll mention it even though it's on your screen. The phone number is 803-960-9484, palmetto-medicare.com. Brian Spencer, again, doesn't excel at much, but he has produced one hell of a business since 2005. <laughs> Local, specific, and native to the Palmetto State. Any and all plans in South Carolina available through Palmetto Medicare, free annual Medicare and prescription reviews, and a $25 donation to uh, St. Jude Children's Research Hospital or any charity of your choice with every enrollment. You need somebody to help you through the process. I can't think of anybody anybody better to do that than Brian Spencer of Palmetto Medicare. Again, this is more than a, just a business for him. It's been a passion for a long, long time. And if you or somebody you know is near the age of 65, you need somebody to help you through the process, coverage, cover as much Medicare cost as possible. 803-960-9484. Tell them you heard about it right here on the Power Hour on Inside the Gamecocks. He chimed in last week in the message in the uh, Nana's Porsche chat box. I wouldn't go as far as Mike does in um, in offending his appearance because uh, he <laughs> seemed like he was ready to come through the screen and yeah. Get into now, truth tussle. be told, he could kill all of us with his bare hands. Oh. <laughs> he, I mean, he's like John Rambo. He's 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 got that he's got that about him, but he doesn't carry himself that way. No. <laughs> truth be told. The guy, you don't want to go in his backyard. He's, you know, he's, 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 he filled in his pool for a reason. Yeah, I, I, that's right. I get it, but he'll keep you alive. That's for sure. That sounds like Um, a good afternoon movie, Rambo. Rambo. (laughs) I bet there'll be another Rambo. Or First Blood. I'm I'm all about First Blood. With Brian Dennehy. Yes. Now we're dipping into five and dime territory. I know. Careful. Well, That's been, only I, for JC and Morgan. Uh, we, I've, we I've been up, up since a an astronomically early hour, and I'm like afternoon naps coming. So you're oh, you're craving one. the five and dimes. That's I'm craving the I'm craving the like an old like a movie. If I fall asleep, I'm not worried about it, right? I don't By the way, if, if the the whole controversy, and we are going to talk about this. We'll also have Phil Steele on uh, JC and Morgan on Thursday. Um, yeah. So what email time? us your questions now uh, at ten thirty. At 10.30 a.m., we'll be live from 9.15 on, but uh, 10.30, I think, is when Phil comes on. 
can email the question. Go to jcnmorgan.com. Go to the mailbox. But uh, th- this whole controversy with the blind side, I know I'm in the minority. JC, everything good? Oh, I'm sorry. Did somebody mention the blind side? Yeah, was, your phone <laughs> yes, was yelling me. at us while you. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Because since 2005, I've told everybody that would listen, there's something very shady about that whole situation. Well, first off, I never liked the movie, and I don't care who, who thinks I'm crazy. I never liked the movie. It was It was so hokey and so unbelievable to me. Like it was a clear sports movie. Hollywood got a hold of it and turned it into this sweet thingamajug, uh, whatever. I don't know the Tuies, but when I used to, when I was doing Gamecock games and we would go to Ole Miss, Sean Tuie was the radio analyst for Ole Miss basketball. So I, I I've had cult conversations with him. Um, he also did Memphis Grizzlies radio, I believe, for a while. I don't. He was always a good guy to me. I never heard a bad word about him. The whole notion that this whole thing was a big scam, I don't know. Don't have inside information, but I'll tell you this. The Tuies are loaded. Like That's all I knew about that family. I knew about Sean Tuie playing basketball at Ole Miss. I knew his wife was a bit of a firecracker, although probably completely overly exaggerated by Sandra Bullock, who won an Oscar for that performance. Yeah. <laughs> um, she, was my, she was my favorite part, though. Well, yeah, I got, I got you. If you want, if you want peak Sandra Bullock, you like, kind of the milk, the kind of the milk. Yeah, of course, watch time to kill. But, but, but I'll, the, never, I'll the, never forgive Matthew McConaughey. Well, although he had Ashley Judd at home. Yeah, I was going to say decisions. Decisions. All a right, tough call. all right, all right. Again, man. in the real world, Max, Matthew Matthew Max, gives in, and Max Max yeah. is dead. You're next. It's Oliver Platt. Who, if, if 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 anybody could play Oliver Platt in a movie, it's definitely J.C. Sherbert. I think we can all agree on that. But okay. but just as a, if the Tuies have as much money as I was told that they did, does he really need to like scam a high school prospect? And then I don't know. Maybe he did. Maybe he didn't. The whole thing is just weird and quirky, and I don't know if we'll ever get to the bottom of it, but mm. I, I never liked the movie was my initial point. I'll tell you this. Well, it was candy-assed. Honest to God, yes. I, live, I live this. Let me just tell you this right now. I'm taking you back to Rivals.com, a young man named J.C. Sherbert, another young man named Chris Childers, who we all know from SiriusXM Radio, and another young man named Chris Greg Lackey, who uh, had a nice career, uh, another name Grant. I was. We were all new, and they sent us to Memphis to cover the Michael Orr press conference. Right? It's my first press conference covering recruiting at Rivals. And, oh, God, is he going to go to Tennessee? Oh, Tennessee Vols in the office were like, I'm sure Coach Fulmer will get him. I'm sure he will. Uh, and then Coach O had just gotten to Ole Miss, and that kind of gave them renewed hope. Because Coach O would, oh, yeah, I'm going to recruit really well. They didn't, uh, Cutcliffe was out or whatever. And I walked in there and I was like, you people are full of crap as a Christmas turkey. There's nothing on the wall in here but Ole Miss basketball pictures. It's, it was at Sean Tui's headquarters. And all the awards his 27 Taco Bells in the greater Memphis area had won. Now, people are like, oh, Taco Bell. Oh, yeah. You know how much money you can make if you own 27 Taco Bells? You're loaded. And they did sell it for $200 yeah. million. So the crock was not 
what they did for Michael Orr. The crock was he was never going anywhere but Ole Miss. Never. Because of Coach was O. No question. And that was the dirty lie. You trotted old Lou Holtz in there. You trotted Nick Saban in there. Oh, funny, funny. We think we're getting Michael Orr. Poor Philip Fulmer, who actually did lose him. Uh, you know, Phil thought he'd get anybody. But, uh, you know, that, that was, to me, that was the lie. That's why I don't watch Last Chance Year. Because I've lived all this. You know, and I'm like, it's just not realistic. Mm-hmm. It's just not realistic. And so, although there is a junior college in, in Yuma, Arizona, that's a lot. I still think you would love that but, show. It bothers <laughs> me that JC has not watched this show. But, but I'll never, I'll never forget it. Everybody's like, Oh, the twoies, you know, they just love Michael. And, you know, and I'm like, you guys are naive as you know what? This guy's the top tackle in the country. They were four and seven last year and fired David Cutcliffe. They're serious. They, and, and hired the, the recruiter from Southern Cal. And they're not going to let this kid leave. But that's see, that's the bigger point. This. That's the they, biggest point I thought. You know, I, yeah, I thought like, that was I, the I'm scam. with you. Like that makes sense. Like if you want to say the two E's were all about just getting the top player at their alma mater, the school they love and breathe, I can buy that. If, if you want to tell me how much money did you say they were they're worth, JC? Two hundred million. Over two hundred million dollars. <laughs> That they needed to scam this kid to make uh, a percentage, or even let's just say his entire, this is like the Britney Spears situation, you know, a, a bunch of his NFL money and, and whatever on the, on the movie, which uh, Michael Orr claims he didn't get any money off of that. Are they really going to go through all that trouble when you don't need the money? I, that's the part that I, I just don't know. I don't think the two he said they didn't make any money off of it either. I don't think. Well, I've heard that, and I've also heard that it, it was split among five five different ways. Whatever that means. See, I don't think Who the knows? kid, the, the the brother, the I don't think they deserved any money. Yeah, yeah no. no. So, the, I, so, so they probably the two the two he should have given that all that money to Michael Orr, but I don't think it's enough money. To shake a stick at. So if I'm Sean Tui and Leanne, her name, what was her name? Leanne? Leanne. Her name? Leanne. Yeah. I'm just writing Michael Orr a check and saying, shut up. Yeah. Stop <laughs> talking. Stop embarrassing the family. But that makes it even more shady because they're kind of out there brushing back against it now. And so, so it kind of reminds me of those, uh, well, they're in jail now, the Chrisleys. You remember the Chrisleys, the reality show? That's what this kind of reminds me of. Chris Lee knows best, and they're, they're in jail for tax evasion now. <laughs> I don't know. It was this garbage. So, so, so was Mike the situation from uh, Jersey Shore. Yeah, it um, was this, this garbage. Uh, it was a garbage uh, reality show, but it, 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 it has reality show-esque feel to it now. That the whole thing's go, crazy. Yeah. The, the whole, I, I, there's going to be a 30 for 30 potentially. On the, I just watched the Manziel 30 for 30, which uh, yeah. you know, I know Phenomenal. we're we're, we're – I, you know, it, it was good, Jamie, but here's the thing. I, I didn't learn much, and I thought they rushed through it. Like, I thought it was like somebody said, hey, can't be more than an hour. And I'm like, there's, yeah. there's more to this story than an hour. To me, sure. you know, you throw in commercial breaks. I wanted I wanted more. There's one coming out on the Urban Meyer Florida team, so I forgot mm. the name of it. Yeah, that's that coming one. out next that's week. That's out. Yeah, or I thought that was out already. Oh, next is it out week. already? It's on Netflix, yeah. That's already another. Urban I mean, Meyer's I mean, already I'm out. I'm all in on that. 
I, I thought it was next week, but regardless. It may be. I may be mistaken. That, I mean, I that's thought it was one. on Netflix already. You can't rush through that story. I mean, I watched a four-part series on Aaron Hernandez alone. You can't rush through that story. Um, and they're saying, I think, 40 of the players were arrested at one time or another. And, of course, my question will be is, well, what were they arrested for? Because players being arrested, I, I hate to say this, in big-time college athletics, that ain't nothing new. Like we're, <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm in Atlanta, not too far away from Athens. And there's been a lot of stuff going there, but guys were arrested for speeding, which is not when you're going 120 on a 45 mile an hour road, that's nothing to s- sneeze at, but yeah. it is different than say beating up a woman. I, you know, it, anyway, that's a whole rabbit hole. I did want to get to a week away, Mike, a week away, a week away. It is a week away. Okay, I'm, so I'm in on that. I watched the Manzel one, which again, I I I wanted a little bit more meat on the bone there, uh, but it it is interesting because I remember, oh, I was on the road somewhere at finishing up calling game and watching him put on that display at Alabama, and it was like holy smokes. Yeah. And then uh, I was the next year, I had an assignment. This was one of the weirdest things I ever did. They said, Mike, can you go to – now, CBS had the game. I mean, I, I'm hearing something. Is that JC? Is that you? With the yes. Mouse? Okay. Um, Does that mean? Yeah, it's, that would be, it's always you. Yes. We got we to we gotta order JC a microphone here. Um, yeah. <laughs> but but I – so the next year, 2014, I'm there in College Station, and our assignment was to broadcast Yell Night, which is the big pep rally at midnight the night before the game yeah. so we're sitting there in director's chairs on kyle field and i'm watching all this and i had never been to a texas a&m game in my life they were just new to the sec it is it's unbelievable <laughs> it's pretty i mean no matter what you think of texas a&m underachiever this that, and the other what they do with their uh whole setup is phenomenal but uh, but then watched manzel in person and yeah they didn't win the game but manzel was an incredible college player and yeah. if he wasn't such a knucklehead you can't tell me in today's NFL he couldn't have had something going on, um, but he just. But the other and what got me thinking about that was the other lie we were just talking about all the lies regarding the Tuies and Michael Orr and was that Johnny Manziel, the reason he had all that money because clearly he was getting paid, was yeah. that he comes from oil money. His family is rich. Well, that's all a lie. His family is not loaded. They're not wealthy at all. But that's what was said to provide some cover for kind of the lifestyle he was living. And he was living pretty large, even as a college kid. So that was one of those things I thought was was pretty interesting. And they didn't even delve much into that in the uh, in the no. Yeah, well, and I guess this Manziel and his buddy, are they just still not talking? Is it done? Or I don't know, man. I, I've, yeah. You're talking I about the guy that served as his agent? Right. And I guess that's kind of what you're getting because I I thought it was phenomenal, but you do bring up a good point. And the fact that I felt like there's a lot of, I mean, you know, maybe there's just no resolution to it. There's nothing else to say, but it just felt very, now now that I think back, there were, there were a lot, there was a lot of things in that documentary that I didn't, never got any closure on. You didn't really know. That's the thing. They just left it all. Like I was waiting for a second part. I'm looking at my, I'm pushing my remote and I'm like, where's the second part of this series? Yeah, because that untold series is really good. Like Manti Teo had a two parter. Tim oh, Donaghy had a two parter. And I'm like, where's part two? I'm missing part two. Are they going to make us wait another week for part two? What? what? 
there is no part two. Like what? <laughs> yeah. What is that? They just, they just, it's like something like they ran out of budget and said, we got to, we got to cut it short. Be like Jaws, except you don't have the final scene where he eats Quint. <laughs> like you just, I ah, know we, we got to cut production that they want us to, to turn, but there's no closure that they got three guys on the boat and the shark's still alive. Yeah, I know, but just end the movie now. That's what I felt like <laughs> at the end of the Mansell one. <laughs> what hey, the still alive. Who uh, hey, I do want to get into the names. I, I was watching some of your first hour because I'm not just a guest. I'm also a fan mm. of the Inside the well, Gamecock you. show. You guys do great work. And I and I all the athletes you were talking about, these are all guys I covered. And, and have a lot of thoughts and, and so many memories of. So I don't know what kind of time we have or what, but let's, I'd love let's to hit our that. let's hit our timeout. And when we return, we'll give you the floor and you take it from there. Uh, I'll take so that we, floor. So we make sure that we can pay the bills around here. Hang tight. We're powered by Electric Bikes of Charleston, 28 miles per hour, up to 60 miles. You can drink a whole 12 pack while you're doing it. ElectricBikesCharleston.com. They come from all over the state of South Carolina. And thanks so much to Michelle Wilkins and her team. They're in the low country, electricbikescharleston.com. We'll be right back. Golfers and wannabe golfers, former Gamecock golfer Meredith Taylor is now a full-time golf instructor in the Midlands of South Carolina. In-person golf lessons are held at the Country Club of Lexington. Half hour, hour, on course nine or 18 holes. And if you're outside of South Carolina, Meredith conducts virtual lessons. Just send in your golf swing for analysis. Gift cards are available for in-person one-hour lessons. Connect on Twitter at Mayor Taylor and find her online at McKellarEnterprises.org. Her email is on the website. Schedule your next lesson today with Meredith Taylor, former Gamecock golfer. Electric Bikes of Charleston offers the most fun you'll ever have on two wheels. Magnum, Velotric, Aventon Bikes, and more. And they sell to consumers all across the state and offer outstanding warranties and service after the sale. Five levels of pedal assist plus a throttle help you handle the southern heat better but still get great exercise. Bikes are available all ages and sizes. ElectricBikesCharleston.com or stop into their store in Mount Pleasant. Electric Bikes of Charleston, powering inside the Gamecocks, the show. Electric Bikes of Charleston! Electric Bikes of Charleston! Electric Bikes of Charleston! Electric Bikes of Charleston! All right, final segment on this Tuesday afternoon. Welcome back inside the Gamecocks, the show built by the Barn Doco and always live from Sinorama Studios. Special thanks to Matt Bond and his team at Sinorama in West Columbia. Mike, you mentioned uh, just a little while ago when we were fussing and discussing Alshon Jeffrey being named now uh, to the next or being named the next Gamecock who will have his jersey retired, which will put it up on the press box in williams Bryce Stadium. Um, How many have been retired? Do we know? Well, 
technically just two on the football side because the other one were jer- were uh, jersey numbers, but I guess they unretired those. So when you include it, you got well, who do you have? You got uh, Sterling, got George Rogers, George Wadiak, and Johnson. Somebody named yeah. Johnson. And um, uh, yeah, um, yeah, and then Clowney, Sterling's you know. will never be the, the numbers like. Sterling Sharp's number will never be worn again. I think no. George's is off the table too, but they don't retire numbers anymore. Mike they Johnson retired jerseys. Yeah, Mike Johnson. Sorry. And so, okay. yeah, Clowney was like the fifth one, and now Alshon's sixth. They're just doing jerseys now, though. Yeah, yeah. Well, because eventually you run out of numbers, and yeah. you don't want to lose out on a recruit because you can't give them a number. Like that's, <laughs> I mean, seriously, like that's that's oh, a crap. little bit. It's yeah, like on the- you got a five star who desperately wants to play for your program. Nope, we retired the number. Would you rather wear seventeen? No, I'm going elsewhere. Like you don't want that to happen. Um, you know, Alshon. Of course, I, I mean that was my last year in Columbia when Alshon was committed to Southern Cal, right? And then yeah. and then Lane made the infamous when he when he went switched to South Carolina and Lane made the infamous. Well, he'll be pumping gas. And I remember the radio station uh, that JC and I were at uh, printed T-shirts about Alshon, you know, pumping gas and, uh, and uh, you know, and kind of making fun of, of Lane on all that. But that was, you know, that was, that was a more immature Lane. Now he's, he's, yeah. uh, he's, he's subdued a bit. But, no, I mean, Alshon to me was such a huge part. If we're, if we're talking about that glory stretch where the program reached new heights – the thing I loved about Alshon's game too is that he wasn't out there. He wasn't a showboat at all. He wasn't getting into trash talk. He wasn't doing crazy stuff. Every time he caught a pass for a first down, he was all business and he won. It seemed like every 50, 50 ball that was ever thrown his way. He was never the fastest guy, but man, you trusted him at a big spot to make a big grab. So it, no doubt it's, it's deserved for him. Who's next? What other, what other uh, well, you meant uh, so, uh, clown. Uh, you mentioned Clowney, but he's already, uh, who's next of, of that group? I mean, there's just, I mean, ever, I think it's Stefan Gilmore. I think he's going to be the next one that whose name they call. Well, personally. well I, and I, I caught some, like half of your conversation. I'm with JC. Like you could argue the most important of them all was Lattimore. Sure. I, like, I like, I don't know without Lattimore. That's what, and I remember hearing, I, I ran into when they just opened up that Ruth Chris, which, if you were living in Colombia and you didn't have a good steakhouse, that was like, hallelujah, we got a Roos Chris here. Yep. Thankfully, the restaurant scene has improved a lot in Colombia. You guys in Charleston and Greenville, you already were like a million miles ahead of us <laughs> in restaurant selections. We, I used to make jokes that like we were, we led the nation in, in uh, per capita mediocre wing joints like nobody was going to top us in that but if you wanted like great italian food great steakhouse we we were lagging behind the other south carolina mm. south carolina i disagree with that back in the day carolina wings was a good was good back in the day i'm not saying there weren't any good wings yeah. I, I, no. I love d's wings which d's I think is still and there. casey the yeah d's, d's and casey, casey. My, my man d's, billy d's Rent. Original casey. Uh, he was the owner they were yeah. uh i used to go there once or twice a week, you'd get the wings and you'd get the uh, buffalo chips, chips. semi floppy, put the vinegar on it. Oh, uh, I mean, that was just that was gold. But I think I he, might go he there moved. today. What's I that? Today. I might go there today. I think they moved, JC. I think you better check before Crap. you go there. I don't think they're in Par- Parkland Plaza in Casey anymore. 
But uh, and I, here, I'll give you a free wing spot today. Vela's in West Columbia. They have killer wings as well. Oh, I used to go to – Vela's was a proud sponsor of the Chiefs. Such a hole in the wall. I haven't been around in a while, man. I hadn't yeah, Vela's is good. Um, no, that's the thing. Like, I'm not saying there weren't good wing places in Columbia, but there were also several that were mediocre, and it was like on every street corner, there's three of them, and you can't find anything else to eat other than fast food. Like, you <laughs> – Again, now you've got halls. You've got you've got some really good options that you didn't have uh, when I was there for for much of my time. But uh, no, I remember sitting at Bruce Chris and uh, what's his name, John Reeves. Uh, was it David Reeves? David Reeves, the, the, the John's father. Yeah, David and his girlfriend, whoever, were there, and and they came over, and we just started talking, and and I was like, "What's the latest on Lattimore?" And he's just like, "Mike, if we get him." game changer man he is i said is he that good because there was also is it the offense and you know there's been a lot of hyped up running backs that didn't that didn't weren't necessarily true game changers and he's like no 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 this guy's different and he was right i mean it, it, that the, the Lattimore signing and the Lattimore performances that are just legendary now uh i think that's that's the next guy well i i i would agree with you wholeheartedly because it has nothing to do with what Lattimore did on the field and what he did for the university. I don't think that Marcus is ready for that. Yeah. And, and I, I know I, that, I'll just leave that there. I yeah. semi know what you're talking about and I don't know Marcus. I don't know that whole story. So I'm just going purely on career. Sure. And yeah. Like who you would choose. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I get it. He, he was so like, I don't think you have that run. Even if you had everybody else, Clowney, Gilmore, no. Jeffrey, I don't, don't think you had that well, run without Marcus Lattimore. Well, you know? no, South in, in 09, the Gamecocks were a competitive team. I mean, they, they played Tebow at Florida pretty well. They beat Clemson uh, and that C.J. Spiller team that won the ACC Atlantic. Uh, but it changed when he walked on campus. Um, it changed in that Georgia game. The next year, they won the East. And yeah. then 11-2, and two, and then – Probably the that, best team that Georgia had game, was that 2012 game. The 2010 oh, Georgia game is what changed he, it all. Yeah, he killed. He killed. Yeah, I mean, I remember uh, what's his name. Why? Why am I blanking, Mike? We had him on our show. Big Georgia guy used to be on right for the AJC. What's his name? Uh, Seth Emerson or Jeff uh, Dancer? No, older guy. Legendary. Oh, guy. Tony Barnhart. Tony, Tony Barnhart. Tony Barnhart. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've heard Tony Barnhart's column said, "I've seen Herschel Walker." Dot. 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 Now I've seen Marcus Lattimore. That yeah. was how – Yeah. Because Herschel was really good as a freshman, too. And, and he tore the dogs up every time he played them, too. I mean, tore the dogs way. up, tore Florida up in that one game. That kind of signified a passing of the – like that was the end of Urban Meyer's yeah. run in Gainesville. 40 carries in that game. 40. Yeah. Yeah. 40 <laughs> carries. I mean, how often 40. do you see a college back at 40 carries anymore? It's almost unheard of. Yeah, he uh, was, and he uh, got better as the game went along. He didn't get tired. And it's like it's like the mark to me of a really good back is when everybody in the stadium knows you're getting the rock 30, 40 times, and they still can't stop it. We don't have much of that anymore. So much no. now is based on deception, Gosh. misdirection, draw plays. That's kind of what – that's not what – and if you go back, yes, Spurrier ran the ball at Florida with guys like Eric Rett and Fred Taylor, but it was a different type of deal. It really was passed to set up the run. It was a bunch of draws and 
Um, he was about 50-50 run pass now, but but it was really pass set up the run. When Lattimore was doing his thing for Spurrier Carolina, it was truly run to set up the occasional pass. It was not like everybody knew, okay, it's first down, probably a Lattimore run. It's third and short, probably a Lattimore run. It's fourth quarter, protecting a lead, definitely a Lattimore run. That's what it was. Under Steve completely transformed the way he called plays at Carolina, and he was able to do that in large part because he had a bell cow generational running back at Marcus Lattimore. And here, here's the thing. Spurrier, if you look at his career at South Carolina, coaching against Florida, they ran the ball a lot. That first game in 05 that he won with Blake Mitchell and those guys, he threw 17 passes, completed seven. Right. And, I think he figured out, I think in his mind, mind of Spurrier real quick, 30 seconds. You know, shoot, whenever the Gators got beat when I was the coach, teams just lined up and ran it up our ass. Let's just run it up their ass, you know. And uh, I, they, they said in practice that week, Marcus, you ready to carry it about 35, 40 times Saturday night? Down in the swamp? All right, let's do it. Yeah, I would, and, well, and, and, and it made sense. You didn't have Jesse Palmer and uh, Danny Werfel throwing yeah. the pill either. You had Blake Mitchell and yeah, well, and, and well then, that, yeah, Stephen though. They had Stephen Garcia that year and, and Al yeah, Sean, yeah. and but Stephen had some beautiful passes in clutch situations. It's just why would you not give it to Marcus Lattimore? I mean, yeah, uh, Florida returned the opening kick for a touchdown, and then it was pretty clear by like I was at that game, pretty clear by the third quarter. They weren't. They weren't going to stop Carolina and John Brantley and that bunch. They weren't going to move it against that defense either. So, but and anyway, Carolina you, went to Atlanta. So went to Atlanta. Um, but you you mentioned so many names, guys. I was sitting there and I was just. I mean, it was. I was like in a time machine. Um, and of course, I mean, I'm with you. Gilmore was a huge. I remember we did a live remote show when that re- recruiting class was announced. We did a remote over by the stadium. And uh, and Gilmore was very like everybody knew that was a huge, huge get. Of course, he went on to outstanding NFL career. You want to start yeah. to, talking about who had the best career at the next level? Well, and that's why I say that. I mean, you look at, I mean, Clowney, Jeffrey. I mean, the trend is kind of there as to where they're going with this. I think it'll be Stephon. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, the Clowney thing. All right, can we just can we just are we all friends here? Can we just say this? And yes, I'm with you. Um, Rashad Faison was awesome. Oh, he was um, one of my favorites. Yeah, he'd knock Clowney, me in next week. Clowney was a significant. I started hearing about Jadavian Clowney. Uh, my boss with the Carolina Panthers when I was doing the preseason games, he was also an announcer for high school football in Rock Hill. So I was hearing about all these Rock Hill kids before they ever signed. And he was saying, Mike, wait till you see this one. He's like, it's unlike anything I've ever seen. And he watched Rock Hill football for about 30 years. And I said, well, what? And he goes, well, they call him Doodoo. Have you guys heard that, why they called him Doodoo? I yeah. no. Well, I heard no. they did, but I didn't they, know that. They, they did. called him Doodoo because he made offensive linemen look like, <laughs> that's why they called him Doodoo. Um so I, I mean, I started hearing about him, and 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 then I knew like, okay, they got to get him, whatever it takes. They got to get Jadavion Clown, Jadavion Clown, and of course, everybody knows the Michigan hit, and and honestly, that was it was impressive. But like, that's it's an unblocked guy knocking a a tailback with his helmet off. Like, 
that wasn't the best play of the Jadavian Clowney. Like he had more significant plays in his career at Carolina. That was huge. But like, yeah, yeah Georgia right. game in 2012. The Clemson yeah. game. The Clemson game is what he'll always truly yeah. be remembered. Yeah, for yeah, 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 yeah. But unfortunately, for for the national, like the people that don't necessarily know anything about Gamecock football, that's the that's the signature moment of Jadavion yeah. Clowney. It is a moment, though. <laughs> oh, it's a great moment. But yeah, it's one of guys head fell off. Talked about because, plays in college football. When there's a yeah. top 100 list of all time plays, it'll be it's like number one. You know? Yeah, but uh, yeah. yeah. But here's the, the thing: all don't plays ever, too. You know, yeah. in, in the Georgia game that year, he jumped over a tackle. Yeah, yeah, he, he yeah. Aaron got Aaron Murray got the ball off. Who, by the way, we had on the podcast JC and Morgan a while back. Yeah, he's Aaron out, Aaron he's got the ball off, but Clowney jumps over one of those big tackles for Georgia. I mean, those guys are big, big tackles. Clowney just, I'm, I've never, I've never seen anything. First time I ever saw him state championship game against Everett Golson in Myrtle Beach. Who, by the way, played at Notre Dame. Uh, Stefan was the quarterback. Devontae Holloman was on that team. They were seniors. Clowney was a sophomore. And I looked and I saw this blur come off the edge and just sack Ever Golson almost knock his helmet off. I was like, who in tarnation is that? It's like in, in Forrest Gump, who in the hell is that? You know? And I looked, it was six six foot five, 196 pound sophomore Jadevion Clowney. And um, yeah, Ellis Johnson already knew about him and stuff. They already had their eyes on him. So yeah, they stuff. knew that that's, that's one you got to you got to get so you you know you build all the building blocks of of that defense and that's how they won so many of those games i mean really yep. and again it, it was a different philosophy than the way spurrier won at florida spurrier would rather win 50 to 45 at florida and overcome a bunch of picks and bench the quarterback and bring the other quarterback in and do all this and put the defense in bad spots but still outthink you on an offensive scheme standpoint and score more than you do and it's, at times it bit him in the in the rear end, but for the most part it was good for him. Then he just decided, you know what? I'm not going to have that kind of offense here, but I sure as hell can build a really good defense with these recruits, which they did, and and I can go ahead and, and alter a little bit the way I call plays. And he did, and that's what Hall of Famers do. Sometimes you can teach an old dog new tricks. The only thing I was going to say about Clowney is that Clowney goes number one in the draft and if you go back and you look at that draft, it was like the, the Texans almost did it reluctantly, but you didn't have – I'd love to go back and see who the top quarterback was in that draft, um, like who who Clowney was taking over. My point is Clowney wasn't the ne- next generational player in the NFL. He's going to go down as a, a, a good career, but people were talking about him like he was going to reinvent the position. Like he was almost going to be the Lawrence Taylor of his time, mm-hmm. and because of injuries and because of other stuff, he just he wasn't. I mean, he's a really good player in the NFL, but that doesn't mean it takes away anything from the college career. And I know Steve got on him his last year. Like he basically said, "Quit taking plays off." Um, but sometimes you need to. That's a little. That's tough love because back then, then the the talk was, "Well, Connie, he could be in the pros after his freshman year." Yeah, he's they're making him stay for three years. Well, he's also getting better for, during those three years as well, and having a pretty good time in Columbia, I imagine. Oh yeah, life wasn't that bad being a college football yeah. player. Nah, it wasn't too bad. It Not all for Jadavion Clowney. Nah, it all worked yeah, out. For I think, every I name that. we just mentioned, it all worked out for. It all worked of out them. pretty well. Devin Downey, um, uh, the the shot he made against Kentucky, the performance at Rupp Arena, that was the last win at Rupp before this past year. 
Devin Downey, uh, I heard one of you say pound for pound. Yeah, he was he was he was unbelievable. Ah. He was he was an unbelievable, and it it, it would have been remembered more fondly, like so many other Gamecock basketball players. It would have been remembered more fondly if they could have had just one run in the tournament, just one. Of course, yeah. Devin didn't have either. Um, Devin, you know, started his career at Cincinnati, and much like Sam Frederick, realized life is not always better going away from home where everything is promised. Um, but Devin Downey was a special, special. Ronaldo Balkman, Ronaldo Balkman, he was quirky, and he was not easy to coach, but he was a physical freak, the plastic yeah. man. I came up with that name this freshman year, and it just it, – it, o- Odom should not, have been fired. Barry Sanderson will disagree with me. They should have been fired after that second NIT. Uh, well, that was the beginning of the end. If well, we're being honest, that, that was team was an NCAA tournament team. That team was a Sweet Sixteen team. <laughs> based I, on, I, remember, Balkman at NBA. Torrance Kinsey was an NBA Rookie of the Month guy Trey at Memphis. Trey Kelly was always yeah, he was always on the cusp. Brandon Wallace had a cup of coffee in the NBA. Uh, then you had great role players like Rocky Trice, Bryce Shelton. Like you had, mm-hmm. you had a, a Sweet Sixteen team. Uh, for whatever reason, those teams under Dave always just got. They fell apart in February. Yeah, they couldn't win their, in, the, in the league. SEC. Yeah, they just they kept losing league games in February, and not and like getting blown out because they were good enough to compete, but they just kept I losing those games. Almost, I was at three of the four games in Nashville because they beat Florida twice that year. Florida won the national title and played them a third time in the finals. And forty was a forty now forty seven. And Trey yeah. Kelly had shot a three at the end. I remember it was about that close, like a half yeah. inch. Had it yep. just gone in. The Dave Odom miracle tour would have happened, and, and Dave would have, and, and, Dave, Dave would have been considered one of the best coaches in Gamecock history. That yeah, and and and, and every everybody liked Dave until they oh, yeah. didn't like Dave. Like they liked his per his person. It's hard to not like Dave, but then they, you know, the saddest thing for me to see, and I saw it as an announcer for teams, and I see it now uh, when I get ready to do a game and I you know, meet with coaches. When there's a coach that's on the hot seat and it's clearly not working out, you watch a man be reduced to kind of just desperation. You come up with these excuses, and you come up with – and you're, yep. you're saying things to kind of, you know, mitigate how bad your team is underperforming. And I don't blame them for doing that. They're just trying to survive and keep their job. But it's, it's almost like, for me, a, a bit of it is sad. It's just sad to see that. It's just like, gosh, this is – this was a guy who once had a promising career, and now it's like, for whatever reason, it just hasn't worked out at this particular spot. And so it's it's you just every coach kind of gets in that mode. Now some will just say the hell with it. I mean, Coach O will be like, go ahead, fire me. I'm gonna get thirty million anyway. But for the most part, that's the exception of the rule. The other guys are like, well, you know, we've had all these injuries, and the schedule wasn't good, and I really believe next year's recruiting class when we get that, you know, it's and it's just like. <sighs> it it's it's all kind of propaganda to to get another contract and and that's when you see people just again it just reeks of desperation give me give me more of the coach o's out there i just pay me and i'll be glad to get the hell out of here okay. it's 30 million i'll be fine i'll take the fuck one out the door <laughs> see right now i don't care i'll be fine i'll be on the beach uh, we met with him that year and he literally was just laughing <laughs> laughing his butt off for an hour, like I know they're gonna find me, but I don't care. That's good. <laughs> yeah, 
<laughs> Last picture I saw of him, he was in Vegas, and uh, it seems like he's doing fine. So living his best summer. life. In the summer, uh, Dustin, and then when I went to Vegas and got married, we ate average jambalaya at our reception, and it was delicious. Uh, Power Hour Plus. We I got to go do the Spurs yeah. up show, guys. I'm yeah, and- I got to get out. I got to hit yeah. the road too, y'all. Yeah, See you guys. Bill's got to travel to Columbia, and all right. So, my apologies. <laughs> nope, that was good stuff as always. Yep. Mike will be back on Thursday for another edition of Power Hour here, presented by Palmetto Medicare. For Mike and Hale McGranahan and JC and Phil, inside the Gamecocks, the show built by the Barn Co. Back tomorrow, Brad Crawford will join us here as we get you ready for the 2023 college football season. We'll see you then.